everybody, and welcome back to another Next Lander podcast. The video games continue to come out. Some video games even surprisingly coming out. Maybe not to some, but to me at least. Alex Navarro. Yes. Welcome to Video Game Tober. I've never been surprised by a video game. Surprise! It's your video game. It's a video yep. game! Surprise! I can always see him coming around the corner, man. This is my video game. Uh, Brad Shoemaker. Surprise. Surprise. Video games aren't the only things coming out. Oh, what else is coming out? If I had, if I hadn't lost the notification, I could tell you the full name. Oh, here it is. Uh, the test of the, na- the the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. Oh my gosh, that thing was so also, loud. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed. Normally, we would have started recording like ten minutes before that, but we had a slight delay this morning. Yeah, or we would have captured all of the magic live mm-hmm. on air. All the magic so, of 10 seconds of sort of unpleasant noise. Oh my god. So I, loud. I knew it was coming and I still, I didn't know where my phone was. I think it was in my pocket, but it sounded like it was coming from under my desk. So I thought my UPS was like alerting me that things were about to catch on fire or something. Mm-hmm. Um, what? So this will alert us to the end times? Well, no, Hopefully. it's, I mean, it's an alert, it'll alert us to the end times, but also it's now given us the 5G Marlboro virus. So yeah, good luck with <laughs> the, that. Which virus? Did you say? Uh, the, Marlboro? The 5G Marburg virus, oh, which is Marburg. apparently the latest fucking conspiracy theory uh, thing of, hey, what's going to be the next big pandemic government design and it's Marburg virus. Yeah, I never know how seriously to take like tweets and Reddit posts and stuff that are passed around these days because plenty of people be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I saw somebody saying, saw something going around on Twitter that somebody said their landlord was shutting off the power to their building all afternoon today. <laughs> Wait, because they because they bought into all that shit and they oh thought God. if they they thought if the power was off they wouldn't get the five G virus. Okay, wait, yeah, I, the, I, you either do that or you put your phone in the microwave. I'm it's sorry. one of the two things. I, you guys are serious. Yeah. I, I, I'm not making this shit up. You I mean, guys are I, serious. I'm making this shit up in the sense that none of this was real, really real, but it is a thing that apparently some people were were getting. Up I in thought arms you were about. doing okay, a the, bit, and no, like no, this, okay. people are I, saying that they might get a virus because of the alert on the phone. Again, again, just to just to establish the layers of skepticism here, uh, the thing we are not making up or doing a bit about is that people are out there saying this shit. Yes, like that's the only thing we can but say definitively th- is people are out there talking okay. about Marburg viruses and five G shit, specifically for people who are vaccinated. Like it's like, oh, they implanted the chip when you got the vaccine. Oh, and this is the and trigger. Yeah, yes. the chip. This is the trip. All I, all we can say for sure is that people are saying these things, whether they actually believe them or not. Is okay. Unknown, because there's the right. There's a lot of layers on this onion. Who's yes. who's doing? Who are the Alex? Help me out here, or, or Brad now too? Who are who's, the marks? Who are the who are the who's getting a work done? Who's yes. the, who's get working themselves into a shoot? Yeah, who, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who who is who was doing it for virality and then coming to believe it themselves? Who can say? Um, yeah. Oh man. I, well. I'll no, be my... glad you missed all that, Vinny. Be glad that you are unaware of it, and I'm sorry that I have brought this into your life. I'm going to have to ask the uh, nurse when I get my booster on Friday. Um, what is it called? The Marburg? The Marburg virus, it, which is a real I... virus. Like, it's a real thing that's existed for a long time. Just, you know, it's not a virus that, you know, has gone widespread in pandemic levels at any point. And I only really know of it because season two of the TV series Millennium ends on a Marburg outbreak. I see. So it's a, like maybe a deadly virus that isn't in pandemic mode, but then the 5G will give it, spread it 
into or we uh, already had it and it was just weighing uh, dormant until the trigger went live which also again is absolutely not how any of this shit works oh my Uh oh my this thing is serious oh the marburg virus is a bad virus let me be absolutely clear about that world health organization says a fatality ratio of up to 88 percent that's a lot of percent Uh uh-huh but wait okay i don't want to i don't want to get into no no no, no. we're already too far at this point okay but uh the higher the fatality rate, the worse it is for the virus because it doesn't have time to spread, right? If it, if I guess, it's a, yeah, sure. I guess if it's a low incubation, small incubation rate and high fatality rate, right? It's better to have a long incubation and then kill you at the end of it, right? Is that uh, what I've learned over the course of people people talking about COVID? I want to again emphasize that everything i know about this virus comes from season two of a second tier chris carter show but let me be absolutely clear Uh as far as i can tell from that show based on the way season two ends and season Uh three picks up they think it's going to be a widespread kill everyone pandemic and then when season three picks up about 88 people died okay well that's what brad said 88 percent there you go they just said 88 people there are only 100 people in the world yeah Um, there you go and they're all in seattle apparently (laughs) 88%, 88%, 88 people, 88 miles per hour. What does it mean? Oh my gosh. 888888. Eight, 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 uh, look it up. It's the sign of. It's a very auspicious number. Time travel. Uh, do you guys believe in hypnotism? God, oh. I thought you were about to ask me if I believed in something else way worse. Do you, do you believe in Do you believe in hypnotism? Like, believe that people can be hypnotized? Yeah, for real, hypnotized. Uh, not, not a tranquil state of like meditative, like bliss and like, oh, suggestion. Like, Movie style hypnosis. I've got you under. Uh, Do I think a hypnosis can make me think I'm a chicken? Yeah, not you, a person. I don't know, man. There's like I understand that there are things like hypnosis that are used in like therapeutic practices mm-hmm. that have some value and like are good at like maybe bringing you know suppressed memories to the surface, that kind of thing. But if you're talking about like your average like you know hypnotist that you would see on a stage at some fucking lounge show or something. No, I think that's just power okay. of suggestion more than anything else. I don't think that's that's actual hypnotism. Brad? Yeah, like if you're talking about like the vaudeville style of stage hypnosis, probably not. I can't you, speak to well, like a medical practice. I like I've known people who have been who have said that uh hypnosis got them to quit smoking. Like they went to a a, a hypnotherapist and it, they helped it got them to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. Like that that level of suggestion implantation I mean, it's not it, to me. It is not outside the realm of possibility, but it's never happened to me, and I have no real perception of like what it, it entails to actually do something like that. Something about it that scares me. If I if if it is true, like really scares I mean, me because I feel like I would be very susceptible to suggestion and easily hypnotized, and mm-hmm. so I want it to not really be true. But uh, anyway. Uh, that reminded me of everybody just getting activated. Maybe, we, mm-hmm. maybe we all got hypnotized by watching some bad Netflix show at some point. Everybody, uh, Squid Game hypnotized us, and now we just all got it activated. You think this thing will have a? You think this thing will malfunction in some spectacular way in the next five to ten years? I Probably. feel like most things do. Yeah, somebody's going to abuse it or hack it or. I mean, what thing? The national, sorry, not the hypnosis or. Squid I thought game. you meant like society. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. well, society's I mean, already malfunctioning. That ship sailed already. All right. No, yes. No, yes. the alert system. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, after 
after Hawaii sent out an accidental, hey, there are nuclear missiles inbound alert. While I was there! Anything, <laughs> yeah. anything is possible. Do you think that somebody gets a hold of this and we ever get some horrible, like, massive dick pic scam, uh, spam uh, on the on the alert services thing? I mean, that's just a regular Tuesday <laughs> online at this point. You know, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter how widespread it is. There's dick pics out there, man. You just gotta I- be... Be mindful. I'm sure there's a story out there. I should go look it up. Sorry for my ignorance here, but I really hope there's like a two people on a key thing where they have to like turn your key, sir, to activate mm-hmm. this. Uh, like somebody in in two parts of the country. Like, are you ready? Are you ready? Uh, and not just like some freaking Google spreadsheet with a time in it. That's like you just type something into a field not some cms that some lowest bidder made you know it's like mm-hmm. oh it was supposed to be 1201 i put it for 12 o'clock oops uh, oops uh folks we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today uh we're gonna talk uh video games if you're interested in those nah. uh uh we got our hands on uh some assassin's creed which is coming out on friday but it looks like the uh, review embargo is today so reviews are up mm-hmm. already which one, which one? Assassin's Creed 1. No, Assassin's Creed Mirage. Mirage. Uh, which I will say, just before we even get into everything, it starts, I guess they're in some anniversary. Is it 15 years of Assassin's Creed? Because uh, 2007? Yeah, those seven. so they're past that now. So when you start it up, it does this, like, kind of uh, Assassin's Creed 15-something logo, and it just shows all the assassins, and there are so many assassins. They, they kind Don't of let anyone to that group, man. Holy cow. Uh, we've got that. We've got Forza. We've got um, a cocoon. We've got Remnant Two to talk about. Fights in tight spaces. Weapon of choice. I think we should start with all those games with a game that I have really enjoyed. Brett, I know you've played, and Alex, you've played as well. Yeah, Cocoon. Yeah, cocoon. Definitely. Wilfred Brimley's puzzle game. Uh, yep, uh, where that's you? Uh huh. Never get old. Never mm-hmm. die. Never get sick. That's definitely the most interesting thing to me this week. Nothing against the other games, but in yes. terms of being a surprise. Surprise! No, like video games can't surprise. It's impossible. Yes. Um, Brad, uh, so what's the, what's the pedigree? For, the, yeah. the pedigree is, uh, I believe, is the lead gameplay designer of Inside and Limbo. Yes. It's, ex, it's ex-play dead people, yeah. though it's not the same ex-play dead people that made that other game that came out. Oh, was it Somerville? Uh, Som- Somerville was the other one, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I have never been 100% clear what happened. There seemed to be some kind of schism at Play Dead where multiple people left after Inside mm-hmm. and went off to do their own things. Uh, and Cocoon is one of those. Uh, this is it's, uh, it's Geometric. A Geometric Interactive is the developer. Okay. And uh, uh, it's put out by Annapurna. Yeah, Cocoon is a trip. It, it is. I I find it to be extremely impressive. It's a, it's an overhead puzzle game. It, I, actually, let me just back up. It feels like a successor to Limbo and Inside. It's not a side-scroller. No. It's an overhead uh, puzzle. But the, all, but almost the feel entirely. of it has that, that kind it, of Inside vibe to it. Absolute like tone and vibe and presentation uh, in common with Inside. Like, like, it's wordless. You know, it's just like... Pretty much just like those games, you boot it up to a title screen, you hit a button, and you're just in it. They don't say anything. There's no no dialogue, no text even on screen ever. Ever? Ever! Um, it's ever, just, ever? You're just, you're ever. just set loose. It's got the same, it's got the same, like, uh, moody, moody kind of vibes to it, I guess I would say. It's much more colorful, though. Yeah, definitely. 
There, um, there is like a sense of menace in it at certain parts, but it really isn't like. But it's not oppressive. It's not oppressive. Yeah, yes, that's it, exactly it, the word I would use. It does, it does not have like the same like pitch black sense of humor or or kind of macabre sensibilities of Inside. Yeah, it's like a little uh, uh, a lightning bug. Yeah, you're like a little <laughs> bug guy. You're like you got little wings. Yeah, lightning bug, dragonfly wings, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and your it's, wings flutter whenever you're standing on something you can interact with. Yeah, it's, like you said, there's no text. There's even no tutorial prompts or anything like that, yeah. but there's really not a lot of um, mechanical combinations of things you could do. It's kind of hold X or whatever your interact button is in certain spots. I'm about halfway through it, and so far it has been a one-button game. Like yeah. it's, literally, it's literally analog stick and one button to play this game. Like It's very simple in terms of the controls. It's just how you're interacting with the environment, which yeah, is very it, unusual. Like There are so many unusual, weird creative ideas in this thing both visual design and puzzle design and the thing that's most striking to me if you're if you're interested in this you should go check out a video but in motion the animation's great it's very it's, organic yes. it, is some of, it is some of both <laughs> i know we've i know we've we've wheeled this trope out before it is both it is both some of the most environmental art and some of the best environmental art that yeah. i have seen like everything in the environment animates in really like interesting fluid bespoke ways it's just there's so much of it. Like everywhere you go, there's some wild shit happening around you. It's got a real um, bi- biological computer world. Yes, uh, but everything moves in these kind of um, very organic, not machine-like ways that are at times very disconcerting but beautiful. Uh, well, yes. I mean, that's that's what they're going for. I think is this idea of you know evolved bugs and sort of a bug slash like magical slash technological society where it feels like you're kind of combing through the remnants of something that was you know like a like ruins of a long established society but it seems like it's all bug stuff yeah like like, the tech has its kind of organic (laughs) buggy quality to it yeah like every everything you see is like not everything but a lot of a lot of what you're seeing is like seed-like or skeletal or mm-hmm. like chitinous like it's a bug exoskeleton like everything in the environment feels like it's made out of some organic thing or other kind of yeah also also with kind of high technology like there's just like every little thing in this game somebody puts so much thought into the visual design of agreed um, um and if you miss the name of the game i'll just say it again because you might not have heard of it it is cocoon it's I don't know why. I mean, I've I've thought about this over off and on over time in the last few years. I don't know why this one it hit me acutely that like naming video games these days is just a process of picking a noun or perhaps even a verb mm-hmm. <laughs> and seeing if anybody's got the trademark. Mm. And if they um, have, just add the word origins or rising or something to the end. Yes. I think I think Destiny was the first one where when they announced that game, that IP, I was just like, all right, they're just picking words out of the dictionary at this point. Everything, uh, everything's got a copyright now. But you know what? Uh, this this one works because yeah, it totally yeah. is in keeping with the, yes. the the flavor of the game. Yes, absolutely. You're you're not wrong. Anyway, I, I feel like we're, we're we're almost kind of burying the lead here because the core mechanical puzzle solving conceit of this thing is maybe the actual most interesting, impressive thing about it. Which is, I I think this is the best use of fast loading times I've seen <laughs> since this era of fast loading times. It's very good. Which is. You're essentially carrying these orbs around with you throughout the game, and each orb is also a world unto itself. Mm-hmm. And at various points, as the puzzle solving necessitates, you can put an orb down and go into it and explore that world again. Yes. You can go back, and puzzles puzzles like very quickly start crossing the boundaries between different worlds. You can also store one world within another. 
I within, haven't gotten to this point. Yeah, within another, within another. Yeah, yeah, I haven't quite worlds. gotten. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I I have three orbs now, and I assume there will be a point where I have all three of them nested. Um, and and like it's it's basically it's all but instantaneous to fly in and out of the worlds with this really impressive like kind of zooming in and out motion yeah. blurry kind of effect. It takes you like, a second, very, but like nothing. I mean, you, it was, to, you can you can tell they kind of preload the like like precache the load or whatever because every time you go into a world, you have to like hold the button down yeah. for like three or four seconds. So it's like it's not instant instant, but it's close enough. It's probably worth mentioning this is available uh, on everything. So it's not just on uh, PlayStation oh. 5 or Xbox uh, Series X. It is on Switch, on PC. Interesting. Yeah, I'm playing uh, on PC. On PS4 oh, even. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what the Switch or PS4 ones are like. Maybe you just got to hold that button down longer. It, it, I don't it know. might just take longer <laughs> to get in and out. I mean, these I worlds didn't... are not... They're, they're, they're rich, but they're not complicated. Yes. Yeah. And I'll say yeah, the PC version is pretty snappy. Like, it, it really just, just kind of dives you right in there. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm playing uh, on on the PC. Okay, and, and it's that's that's even more impressive than if this actually works on older platforms. I did not mm-hmm. realize. Uh, um, it's twenty five bucks as well. Uh, I I think Brad, you and you and I are both about halfway ish, right? I'm at forty nine percent. Okay, I didn't look at my exact percentage, but it's, if I've also got the three orbs. Um, and did you get so the orbs in addition to being kind of uh, environments? They're also each orb kind of gives you a power, uh, mm-hmm. almost like a Mega Man style ish. Uh, and then when you carry the orb, you are able to use that power. So a lot of the puzzles are which orb are you carrying? Or I need this orb in this spot. How do I get it here? What manipulation through the uh, recursive orb world stuff do I have to do to get this orb here? That's one set of puzzles. The other one, there are two other big ones that stand out to me. One is you have to get these kind of, uh, de- speaking of destiny, these destiny like uh, keys. What is the thing that's over your shoulder in destiny? Oh, the little, it's like a little robot buddy. Yeah. Oh, it's like the ghost. The yeah. Ghost it's like from a, destiny. It's, it's kind like of like a ghost. Flying. Yeah. He'll, it'll hover over your shoulder, uh, but can be um, captured by these uh, uh, traps. And you mm-hmm. kind of usually have to get a key through the traps by manipulating the environment, again, using the orbs. And then yeah. the third type of puzzle is this kind of, memorization of a symbol sequence that you will find in the environment usually, and then have to uh, touch five symbols in the right order to unlock a thing. Those are the three big ones I've seen aside from just maybe minor environmental traversal puzzles. It's like I started to say it's my only knock against the game. I don't think it's even a knock really, but they do, they do repeat those puzzle template ideas kind of pretty pretty frequently so they'll, they'll in, dem- in different ways like yeah, in, very in different, different ways. In, in, yeah. in in pretty different serious variation so did you so get the third third orbs power i that's i think i'm right before that i've i'm i'm okay. running around inside the third orb right now i haven't like pulled it out and used or had to use its power yet so i don't there, know what that is uh each each you like fight a boss and then you get its power and the, yeah. the third orb boss fight was very cool um okay i, I really I, enjoyed it uh, i thought the first two boss fights were also super impressive mechanically i mean like the first one i got to when it does the there's like a not exactly bullet hell but it's kind of a th- something like that yeah both the way it animated and also right, the idea crystal hell <laughs> yeah but both both the animation and what you were doing to interact with it i i that's like 20 minutes into the game or something. Maybe it's not very long. Yeah, I, I, like, I beat that one pretty quickly. The like, second one, the like, second one is definitely a bullet hell one. That's the one with the, yeah, like, the, the, the purple or blue shots that fire at you that you have to dodge. It's like, it's, 
Yes, but when I got to the last phase of that first boss, I was just like out loud. I was just like, "Oh my god, man, this game's crazy!" <laughs> like, it's, I, it's just doing stuff I've never seen before. It's awesome, and it's not like um, it's not an action game, so you're not like doing dodge rolling and stuff like that. You're just yeah. it's more like the bosses. You have to be aware of the environments and the mechanics and kind of just be on your toes. Uh, well, and, and the controls are super simple. Like yeah, the, and, the controls are literally, you know, move and action. That's it. Yeah. And and very responsive. Like the movement is super responsive. Like there there is some dexterity involved in beating the bosses. It's not super intense. Also the fail state is weird because it just ejects you out of the world. <laughs> yeah. Mid boss fight and you just have to go back to the portal and run back up to the boss again and so you don't even lose like if it's a boss that takes multiple hits, you don't even lose progress on where you were in the fight. Oh Generally. really? I thought yeah. I got knocked out. Interesting. I don't think. I'm not sure. Yeah, some some bosses have multiple states that take multiple hits. Maybe it checkpoints you at the state of that. The, might be what it is. I'm yeah. not sure. But but it's, it's it's not it's not very punitive at all. Yes, it's not punishing. And it, uh, as someone who you know wants my action games to be actiony, my puzzle games to be puzzly, it does not feel like it's in an action game and shouldn't stop people from checking it yeah, out. Yeah, definitely um, not. It's it's just it's more of a you kind of a just tour of these environments really that yeah. keep you going and the, and the way you interact with them and just seeing them kind of mush and mold and fly and, and kind of it's like I said, it's, it's kind of creepy, but also beautiful in a, in its own elegant way. Elegant. I would say yes. is the way everything yes. kind of moves. Yeah. Everything, everything about the way it runs and moves and looks and animates is, is elegant, fluid, smooth, just, it feels like a, it feels like an art piece. Like it feels kind of like an art piece in the same way that Inside did, and polished. You know, yeah, like it's super it, polished. It doesn't feel like it has like one of the problems with with Somerville. I mean, again, different developers, but you know, nonetheless, was that it felt kind of janky. But when it eventually came around, this one does not. I have not had a single instance of anything feeling like it was out of place. Yeah, everything feels like it works perfectly, like clockwork. And it's very focused. It is yeah. very, you know, I guess like we have talked multiple times, you move and there's one action button that is, um, you know, context sensitive to what you're doing, but it's basically just the one thing. It's neat. It's 25 bucks. I believe it's also on Game Pass if is you uh, subscribe to that. Well, it is in my tool here. and um, Oh, well, I guess know. that's definitive then. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, take it, take uh. it for... Uh, it has name matched a game called Cocoon, whether it is the same Cocoon that is out now. Um, I did not go and check the current Game Pass stuff, but I could see it. Oh, yes. You're, yeah, you're right. It's in all the Game Passes. Um, I, I, I think it's worth checking out if, mm -hmm. you, uh, if you are interested in that type yes. of game, or at least check it out visually um, and, and bop around in it for a bit. Yeah, you, it, it won't take long to get to, to some of the unique ideas in this, and it just it's just refreshing to play something that feels like it's doing something new. Um, let's do, before we take our first break, let's talk about Forza then. Um, you guys played a little bit of Forza, uh, or some of Forza, I'm not sure how much you played. I've, I've uh, played some hours of it. What do you guys think? It's good. Um, I... I'm going to be real. I don't know what it is I was actually expecting from this game because, like, it's been six years since the last one. Yeah. You know? And they've put out two Horizon games in that time, and I've definitely, like, really enjoyed those last two Horizon games. So, going back to a more, you know, straight-up Sim-style Forza, I don't know what it is I was actually expecting or hoping from it other than, are the cars going to be really nice-looking? Does it feel good? Is there a good variety? And is there enough content to keep me interested over time? I think on most of those fronts, it feels like it's delivering for me. Um, 
There's definitely no shortage of cars, and I'm sure they will be adding more over time. Looks great, though I will say the uh, visual fidelity mode that runs in 30 is chunky in a way that I don't like, and normally yeah. I'm not a big stickler for that kind of stuff. Uh, just, I feel like driving, especially like precision, hardcore, you know, car head driving yeah. like this might be the... It's either this or fighting games, or maybe they're tied for games that like genres that need to be smooth. Totally. And I think their performance RT mode, which is their, their halfway point, I think that one works just fine. Like you can you can get most of what you want out of the, the visuals without uh, sacrificing yeah. too much. Yeah, I've, I've gone back and forth and they both look pretty good. Like the, 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 the ray tracing was described as like ray tracing on track, which I assume mm. basically means just the cars. I think just uh, the cars and just the very, maybe. like, edges of the track around yeah. it. Because there's a pretty hard border where, like, if you're in photo mode, you can't really move the photo camera outside the realm of, sure. like, kind of the, the narrow area around the track. And I assume that's where they're kind of boxing that stuff in. Yeah, that's 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 probably true. The, the trade-off there is that they, it doesn't run at native 4K all the time. They scale the resolution. Um, yeah, they change it depending on the scenario, yeah. Uh, it, it looks it looks very good. I, I, I'm kind of like you on the visual front. I don't know what I was expecting because the car track, like the tracks are the tracks, you know? Yeah. It's not like it's not like you're going to be driving through Cocoon or something all of a sudden in no. Forza, you know? Like, it's just, it's, the well, Nürburgring is the Nürburgring. Like, it looks realistic, but not, like, flashy in any way. Like, uh, the, the Hakone track in Japan, actually, at night was, like, kind of impressive because there's a lot of, like, neon lights and stuff. Yeah, and but, I think the weather effects and, like, day-night cycle stuff they're doing, like, looks really good. Like, it feels pretty natural. Like, uh, the rain, the heavy rain effects, I will say, are very, very good, uh, both from a f car feel and a, a visual standpoint. Uh, I've mostly been playing the single player, which is a series of, you know, here's a like five or six races, at least in the, the early goings. They probably add more as you, you get deeper into it. It's a particular car type. So you either buy a car or you get one of the many that they, they dump on you if you bought the, the expensive pre-order edition. Uh, and like they separate it out into you do practice laps and then you go into the main race and you can kind of set your position on the track where you want to be and you get different rewards depending on where you are in the the lineup and and obviously how you perform. They still have all the usual stuff like, you know, here's your racing line, you can turn that stuff off, auto braking, you can turn that stuff off if you want. Um you know, it's a little rote in that regard, but I mean these games have always kind of been that way to some degree and I'm kind of glad they didn't try and jam in a bunch of like chucklehead personality bullshit into it because while I like the Horizon games a lot, I think the personality they give those games is actually the worst part of it, and I'm glad they didn't feel the need to try and, like, keep up with that by giving it its own bullshit fucking, you know, dumbass racing guys talking to you constantly. It's very sedate. Yes. Like, it's, it's, it's like, mild-mannered to a fault. <laughs> yeah. And so, when in multiplayer, uh, if you're doing their featured races and stuff, that also comes with that structure. You have to go in and do qualifying before you go in and do the main race, which I think is kind of designed to discourage people from just like jumping in and driving like assholes. <laughs> like you have to spend a little time if you want to go in and do the multiplayer like championship stuff. Um, I haven't done a ton of that because obviously it was pre-release and there weren't like they had a few scheduled events and that was kind of it. Um, and you can do private races that doesn't have any of that stuff. Like if you just want to just race with your friends, you can do that, I think. Um, but, you know, like, the progression is pretty by the numbers, but the thing I like about it is the way they have sort of tied car level to how you upgrade stuff. Um, 
when you are racing in one of the the main things, you are leveling up your car as you as you go along. And as you level it up, you gain access to more I'm going to call them credits. I don't I don't know if they have an official name or not, but it's not the currency you use to buy new cars. It's a separate thing that is tied to express to to progression. So each time you level up the car, you gain a few more of those credits, and that gives you access to better upgrades and stuff. But you have a you have a hard limit in terms of like, okay, you can only spend this number of credits until you level up further. I'm I'm kind of I mean to step back a little bit. I'm kind of surprised a how approachable this game is, and mm-hmm. b how much I'm like weirdly getting into it. Yes, I sat down with this thing purely to look at the graphics. You know, I was like. They've been pushing this thing as kind of like a, if not the technical showpiece for the Series X. Got this new TV. Just want to like look at something. I want to look at pretty cars. Totally. But like, and also I've tried like time and again over the years to get into Gran Turismo's and Forza Motorsports of various types. Just never stick with it. Mm -hmm. But like the onboarding is just so like understandable for anybody. Yeah. Yeah, Like they, they really... They kind of they kind of abstract stuff that, that normally would be intimidating out and, and just say like, hey, just like you can just auto do this if you want, like the car tuning stuff mm-hmm. like they're like, hey, you level up your car. Like, do you want to just hit the auto, like come up with a, a, a loadout? What do you what's it's not a loadout. What's the term for a car like a tuning yeah. configuration or whatever you want to call it? Like, you know, they're going to like upgrade your suspension or fucking fuel injector. I don't know. Car shit. But they do it all for you. They just are like, hey, if you want us to like figure out with the credits you've got how much or how or the best way to upgrade this car and then we'll just show you okay the handling is going to get 0.3 better speed will do this here's how much it'll cost sure confirm let's go you know like you yeah. can just when you level the car up you can just hit a button basically and make the car better <laughs> that's totally awesome like like at the beginning they ask you like they're like like hey what rule sets do you want like do you want the racing line on or off do you want rewind to be available do you want to be penalized for like collisions and going off the track if you don't want all that stuff, you will get more credits. You know, they're very explicitly mm-hmm. like, hey, if you turn this off, you'll get 6% more experience and credits to upgrade shit. Yeah. Like, it's just very, very plainly presented of like, hey, just pick this, automate this, just go. Yeah, know? it's very configurable, but at the same time, it does not feel overwhelming or like it is too granular to to ever really want to mess with. And, you know, I, I the main thing is that like, is the driving good? Yes. It is it is a lot of fun. It feels like they have not lost the flavor of what makes Forza good uh in those ensuing years. Uh they have definitely made a graphical showpiece. Uh I find some of the presentation stuff just like a little underwhelming, but not like none of it's bad. It's just sort of like, okay, it's just very by the numbers. It's very yeah. like we are getting you into a race, here's your race go. I'm I'm kind of with you. Like I I was I was expecting I don't I don't again, I'm like you said, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was kind of hoping for a little more visual pizzazz. Yeah. But it's just a very good-looking, serious car game. Yeah, and it's excellent at being that. And I think that considering where they left off with that series and the sort of general grumbling around like what they did to the economy of the last one and microtransactions and all that kind of stuff, none of that is here. So yeah. they've, they have definitely heard your, cla- your, your complaints and are not doing that. Can I let me ask a weird question? Would you say people that are into games like this like end up having a personal connection to some car or some aspect of them because, like... I've weirdly have been like kind of missing the era in which I drove a car regularly recently Mm -hmm. and was actually looking at a 2018 white civic online. Not long ago, I get through the tutorial of this and they give you your first three starter cars. (laughs) Sure enough, lo and behold, one of them is a white 2018 civic. Yep. 
you know, and I was just like, oh my God, like I was just thinking, I was looking at used one of those thinking like, man, it'd be cool to drive again. I mean, and then there, there was the car and I was like, fuck, I'm actually going to play this because I want to drive this car that I kind of wanted to drive in real life. I don't know. Totally. I mean, look, the, one of the other three cars they give you at the beginning is the 2019 model of my yes. car. I so it's Subaru, like, yes. so of course I, I seized on that. And yeah, I, I, I don't think that's universal, but I definitely feel like most people that get very heavily into car games have some affection for at the very least, a particular brand, if not a particular model, and they want to play as many of those cars as they can. There are electric cars in it? Do they have, like, EV racing? I believe in- they do. Um, I mean, for the Horizon games definitely did. There was, yeah. there was, like, Priuses and things like that in there, so... Interesting. I am curious to see if my son gets as into this as he got into Horizon. I know it's a very different type of game, so I'm curious... Uh, he played some Gran Turismo, but I think he kind of bounced off of it. I think he liked the, you know, the vibe of Horizon, yeah. that kind of mm-hmm. open world run through trees and stuff. It's less yeah, like it. goofy or, than yeah. Gran Turismo tends to be like their weird, you know, just <laughs> extremely eccentric personality of those games. Like it doesn't really have any of that. So if you found that stuff kind of boring and, and not did not really enjoy progressing through that, just that kind of weird around the edges bullshit of, of the Gran Turismo games is just not here. It really is just like get into a race and go. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, do you turn the driving line off eventually in these games, or do you always run with it? I usually, it, when they have the option for just braking, I usually tend to leave that on just because I like the, a little bit, especially when I'm when I'm learning a course, I like having a little bit of a sense of like, how hard do I need to be braking around this hairpin, et cetera, et cetera. Um, oh, is, that, is that reduced from the default driving line? What is, I believe it what? is, yeah, because the default driving line gives you like the full ideal line. Oh, oh, so does the line only show up when you need to break? Yeah, it only shows the red parts. Yeah, interesting. Okay, the red and the orange. Try that. Um, yeah, like you know, I mean, it's no great revelation to anybody. You have to be very disciplined playing games like this to play them right. You know, and I'm Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, I have actually put some time into trying to make myself finally do it right, and like I've actually gotten kind of better at it. Like I had the great, I had the great revelation. I'm sure it's old hat to everybody else, but like. Oh, braking should probably be like the last resort, not the first thing I do mm-hmm. to tr- to try to make the line turn the right color, right? Like yeah. I should be I should just be coasting into the turns if possible. If possible, yeah. Instead of instead of actively slowing myself down and only if I re- just feather the brake a little bit or just barely tap it. Always handbrake, really, always drift. Um, if I really need to. Yeah. This ain't initial D, Vinny. <laughs> um is the is, is that that thing the like picking your starting position and having like kind of a higher bounty if you set yourself further back? Is that mm-hmm. like a common thing or is that new i don't remember that from the last one again it's been six years so admittedly my my memory of it is a little bit hazy but i don't remember them you being able to adjust your thing on the fly like that i thought that was a very cool feature for somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing because the the last race of that first builder's cup i put myself at five Mm -hmm. and and managed to make it to first before the race was over you know and it felt really good you know it was like okay like i got to pick my own challenge here i got a little bit of a reward for it but more to the point like, I got to decide, okay, can I make it from fifth to first over the course of four laps? And I totally did. Like, it was, it was kind of cool. And, you know, they're still doing the Drivatar stuff. So, like, the, you know, the, the AI that you're racing against is, at the very least, you know, allegedly loosely based on the, the way that other online drivers have been going. Um, that comes with its own caveats. Like, it's, I have, you can adjust the difficulty as much, like, I think it's on a one to ten scale. Um, 
you definitely run into situations where you will get a drive guitar in your thing and suddenly that guy just goes flying off the fucking track and you're not really sure why whether that was because that's what that driver was doing or the AI just had a moment. That's that's the drive guitar classic. Yeah. <laughs> and this feels like drive guitar classic by and large. Um little a, a little a little sad, a little wistful not to see Mechberg among my starting <laughs> my starting yeah. drive guitars. But you know, that was a different time. He's maybe got a lot of stuff on his he's got other stuff on his plate now. Maybe in a couple of days he'll be up there. This is out um in next week, but you get that five day early access if you get the premium edition. Seems like that is Microsoft's way at this point. Are they doing the Starfield thing of you can pay like for the just the premium parts if you have Game Pass and I'm, play it early? I'm sure it must be. Um if you get the premium edition what is it out tomorrow? I think if it's, um, let me double check. Uh, I'm pretty sure you could just buy the extra bits, um, mm-hmm. if you have it, but I, I yeah, I those nothing. are in packs that you can just buy in the store. If you, if you don't have the pre-order edition, but there is the deluxe edition, which is $90 all in mm-hmm. and then, uh, with the game and then a hundred dollars for the premium edition. And that's the one that gets you the, um, the the whole the whole the whole thing there. the season yeah. one pass i think all that stuff oh do they do season passes in there as i well? believe they are doing season passes for cars if i'm not mistaken um yeah i think the add-on bundle brad is 40 dollars if you just want that um with your oh, that's more than starfield with your game pass stuff that i because th- i think that's the premium and everything um no cool watch i guess no <laughs> i don't know i don't uh, need a watch i'm fine did you guys ever, uh, I don't want to, uh, look, it's still Microsoft. Did you guys ever see those in the wild? Anybody get one of those watch things, Starfield watches? Like, have you seen Somebody people? must have. You are way <laughs> overestimating how often I go out of my house. <laughs> well, it's pictures of them? Who's, I just haven't really, seen no. anything of them at all. No. Like, did they go out eventually? Like, they I, uh, were in the, have the release? Have they shipped? <laughs> they were in the box, Allegedly. I thought, I thought they were in that thing. Yeah. Right? I just haven't seen anybody talk about it at all. Man, maybe we're disconnected from the here, here's, here, here's the real question are there any on ebay oh oh yeah. guaranteed there are absolutely if they exist they are on ebay if there is a pre-order item in the world that that thing is on <laughs> ebay at some point um, yes here we go watch only 180 dollars. dang how much was the bundle uh, uh i think it was 120 three, it? i think 300 for oh thing. forget it all right um, I'm good, thanks. Oh yes, gosh. yes. Starfield Constellation Edition, three hundred dollars. <laughs> um, did it come with a dang ship? Uh, that is oh, Forza Motorsport. Did it even come with the game? Did it? Oh, or God, no, no, no. I'm sorry, it, it did. It, I'm sorry, it did. It did. A physical so game these, though, or a code? No, I think. It, sorry, these all these all of these uh, Constellation Edition eBay listings say no game, which I took to mean this was one of those special editions that doesn't actually have the game uh, in it. But I think it was probably it was a code that they used. No, it just means uh, you have no swag. Uh, uh, those those types of special editions certainly exist these days. Oh yeah, we're uh, that's Forza Motorsport. Unless you guys have anything else you want to say about old uh, Forza, no, Forza? I'm still playing it. Is all I can really say is that like I've been playing it for a few days and uh, or you know, actually almost a week now. And let me tell you right now, I'm going to keep playing it. Yeah, like that's the thing for me is I might actually play more of it, which is kind of a first for mm-hmm. these. Uh, that is Forza Motorsport. That is out officially on the 10th. But like we said, if you get the premium edition, um, you can play it five days early. And that's also going to be on Game Pass, obviously, from uh, Xbox Game Studios in turn 10. 
All right, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll talk some Assassin's Creed Mirage when we come back, so stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Bespoke Post, Alex Navarro and Brad Shoemaker. Box of Awesome. When I say Box of Awesome, what does that mean to you, Brad Shoemaker? It means better than a box of not all what's the opposite of awesome average or terrible it's not a box of terrible <laughs> no thank you it's a box of awesome alex navarro Mm-hmm. a box of awesome is a box that comes to my door what has awesome in it uh like i don't know some whiskey glasses or some knives i i, I have gotten both of those things from a box of awesome i have gotten uh, uh an old-fashioned kit to make some old fashions i don't even I got a book about whiskey, which was Ooh. a very nice book uh, that came with some whiskey glasses. I will say, of all the Box of Awesomes I have had, I mostly use the stuff that comes in it. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, I've gotten, uh, uh, like you said, Alex Navarro, a couple of knives. I've gotten some camping stuff. I got a bird collar in one that we used. I've, yep. I've gotten, I've gotten no fewer than two headlamps. I want a headlamp. Uh, it is fall, and they have a bunch of camping stuff, uh, autumn cocktails, like we mentioned, the knives and the and the um, knives are a year-round treat. Let's be honest. I guess, I guess so. I shouldn't put a seasonal your seasonal night. To get started, you can take a quiz at boxofawesome.com, and your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. And each box is valued at around $70, but you're only going to pay a fraction of that price. And maybe my favorite part here, with each box of awesome, you're supporting small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small and up and coming brand. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. To get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com, enter the code NEXTLANDER at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER for 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER. Thanks, Bespoke Post. And we're back. And Assassin's Creed Mirage comes out on uh, the 5th. By the time this podcast goes up on the public feed, it should be out. Uh, we have gotten code uh, uh, the day before release, which is the Let's, day we're, we're recording. Yeah, but to be real about this, we do not have a lot of time in this game because it showed up yesterday. Yeah, so I have about two hours in Assassin's Creed Mirage that seemed to be about enough time to make it through the prologue. Oh, God, man. Let me say... <laughs> let's like the, go ahead. Kind of two late title cards here. One at about the hour mark, and then you mm-hmm. get the Assassin's Creed Mirage after the full prologue ends, uh, and you get back to Baghdad, which took me about an hour, 45 minutes, two hours. I'm not, I'm not sure there's anything you could say about a game that would put me off of playing it more than that the prologue is two hours long. I mean, you're doing stuff in the prologue. It's not like you're doing nothing. But by the time you're an assassin, is what, it takes a little bit there. They, they slow walk this one in the beginning. So, uh, Brad, do you want to talk about the, kind of the history of this one? This was a, um, a piece of DLC yeah. that got spun out? 
that's kind of all, all I know to say. I think wasn't this wasn't this Valhalla DC DLC? Yes, it was. It was supposed to be the last piece of Valhalla DC if I, uh, DLC, if I remember correctly. It, who's the character? Boss. Boss. That's the yeah. guy's name. He he was a Valhalla character, right? I mean, he was a main character in that game. He was like the main non-playable character in that game. Yeah, like if if I have this right, I think wasn't this was like you said it was supposed to be Valhalla DLC, and then they basically have a gap in their schedule because like who knows what the hell Assassin's Creed Infinity is. Or infinite that still sort of exists in the background, yeah. Infinity, right? That's yeah. like their big. That's their big like platform, or whatever. And anyway, they needed they needed an Assassin's Creed game. So Pronto. this so this became that. So Assassin's Creed Mirage, um, like we set up here, you take on Basim and Alex. I was gonna message you, and then I was just figured I'd just wait until the podcast. Sure. I'm lost with the okay. Assassin's Creed lore. Um, Let me try and help you as best I can. Now, I want to be clear. I played almost none of the Valhalla DLC. I played some of the first okay. one. So no and Ragnarok. I totally ch- checked out. Was it Ragnarok or is that the edition they called it? Was the DLC called Ragnarok? <sighs> it's the one where you go to Ireland. Okay. That's all I remember. So, without getting too much into spoiler territory. No, which, we should just spoil what happens in Valhalla well, because if you're going to play this thing, you absolutely need to know what's going on in Valhalla. So this game doesn't this game does not have a previously on Assassin's Creed, which mm-hmm. I find criminal at this point. Uh it does take you to a store for the rest of the Assassin's Creed franchise on the front uh-huh. page, but does not have like a previously on, but it starts with William Miles talking to you over some kind of codex. And basically, which I remember Desmond Miles is William Miles, his dad. I do remember some. So my Assassin's Creed knowledge gets really shaky after four, after Black Flag. Um, Yeah, you played Origins, but you didn't go through the other two after that, did you? Even Syndicate, Unity, like I'm very fuzzy on. And then I uh, Origins, Odyssey, I really played none of. I finished Origins. I don't remember. I think it's William Miles. Is it his dad? He is, he is Desmond's dad, yes. Uh, and a member of the Assassins. Says, yes, I kind of remember that. I think some of that's maybe in Black Flag or something, but like, it starts off being like, here's a memory that I thought better left uh, untouched. And then you're uh-huh. just kind of in Bassam. Or, uh, uh, and also, so, by the way, William Miles is voiced by John Delancey. Okay. Great. Fantastic. I you, don't, know. you don't know who that is, Vinny? Brad, you know. I feel like we had John Delancey in some other stuff. Was John yeah, Delancey? Oh, okay. Oh, God. Yes. That, of course. Yes. Yes. Not that Q. The Q from Star Trek. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's very serious in this portrayal. Okay. Okay. He's not goofy. I don't know if he's still voicing that character. He was the original voice of that character. Okay. Either way, that's about it for uh, the setup on this in terms of uh, I don't even need anything else, really. But that's where this picks up. I didn't know if that meant anything to you being like William Miles is setting this one up, talking to someone. I don't know to whom, but then you're immediately in the game game. The main thing to know going into this is that Bassam, while he is the person that introduces uh, was it Eivor? Uh, the, the main character in, in Valhalla mm-hmm. is the one who sort of brings Eivor into the fold with the assassins by gifting them a hidden blade and kind of never actually makes them a member of the Brotherhood, but sort of lets them do Brotherhood stuff while the game is going on. Okay. 
And again, this is a spoiler. I am saying this right now for you if you want to fast forward for some reason or another. Again, this game came out, what, three years ago? It's, I, I'm just saying, you need, this is, this is the thing you need to know. Bassem becomes the primary antagonist of Valhalla, and Bassem is either the reincarnation or the new impersonification of Loki. Okay. Sure. Now, I don't know what this game is going to do with any of that, because this is purporting to tell the story of Bassem's early days in the Brotherhood in Baghdad before the events oh. Oh, this is of a Valhalla. Yeah, oh, it's definitely oh. a prequel, because this is oh. how he, he does not start off in the... It's not even the Brotherhood yet. I think they call them the, like the the Shadow. I forget what they're like. They're they're called. It's not like the Assassins Guild quite it's yet. It's way less codified by that point because at, at that stage, like it's really just uh uh from Origins um um Bayek Bayek yes yes. So Bayek and such has founded the Brotherhood, so to speak, but it's still pretty early days. And I think doesn't. Odyssey takes place before the Brotherhood actually exists, I think. Yes, I think that's right. Yeah. This, this takes place in 800 uh, CE. So so this would actually be fairly close, I think, to where Valhalla picks up. It like, must within, be. I mean, within a right? 40 to 50 year yeah. like span, yeah. And um, I forget when Origins takes place, but it's it's hundreds of years before that. Yeah. It's in like the, the turn of the, it's it's at like 50 BC or something, right? Yeah, but the way, and without getting way into the nitty-gritty here, the way Valhalla more or less ends is with Basim waking up in the real world, like, as himself, but with the knowledge of what he has done. And a lot of that ties into the ancient technology shit that you find in that game and okay. all the fucking Earth problem stuff that's going on in the main timeline. Again, I checked out of that stuff at a certain point <laughs> because past the main game, I'd already put, like, 110 hours into that thing. And the first DLC was not compelling enough to keep me going through it. So if there's new details past that, I don't know what they are. This this is a question about 15 years out of date, but like, what's up with the gods that are implied at the end of, is it two? Or Brotherhood around that? Remember yeah. that the end, like, remember two gets completely weird at the end with like, a I don't goddess, know. So long. A goddess of some have, kind showing up. Yeah, Minerva. I don't know if they have re Minerva. I, there was Minerva and Athena. They were, but they were in the computers, and there was like a there was an ancient civilization, and they were well, old there's a gods. progenitor race. Yeah, all that yeah. stuff. And then um, they, like the humans were basically um, the kind of subservient uh, species there, mm -hmm. right? And then they rebelled, and there was some kind of, and then the objects of Eden were part of that thing, and there was some kind of uh, existential apocalypse right or something i mean that they're still hammering on that stuff here and there like i'm pretty sure a lot of what happens with the quote-unquote gods in valhalla has something to do with all of that though i'm going to be honest with you i don't remember a lot of it because the valhalla stuff like like the going to asgard stuff was like the least interesting part of that game to me which is a real bummer because that could have been the most wild exciting stuff anyway yeah. this is mirage we're talking yes. about the current game which we've barely had a chance to touch, but so yeah, so Mirage basically has um, this is pre uh, Bassem in the Assassin's Guild. You kind of get how he gets entangled in it, what happens there. Um, it takes place in uh, uh, at least where I am. I, I think it's a smaller scope here because it's. I think it might just be Baghdad scope. proper. This is a fifty dollar game, by the way. My initial impressions are that it is not 
all it doesn't feel extremely polished in, in a way that I was maybe expecting from a what feels like it is being pitched as a mainline Assassin's Creed game. Mm-hmm. It is um if it, it's a little clunky here and there uh some of the animations a little clunky here and there you know like some of the things that you would expect either bigger team or more time to get the polish out on those things you know like Mm -hmm. the. um, but that being said it's you know it's kind of par for the course back on the pre-origins assassin's creed and that's also what this was being pitched as kind of a return to less Open Less world loot. loot. Uh, yeah, there's still loot for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, not the kind of loot drops you get from the uh, Origins Odyssey. And I, I didn't play much Valhalla, but I assume Valhalla. Like, they scaled it back from where Odyssey was in Valhalla. Um, okay. They're still dropping a fair amount of loot, but it is not the constant barrage of it and junk that you were getting. I feel like in Odyssey, like they, they, they've over those three games, they kind of turned the Nile dial each time. The Nile in terms I of like how much, how yeah, I'm turning mm-hmm. how much loot they're throwing at you. Uh, they, they, uh, this is more. This reminds me more of previous stuff where you're getting gear from chests and then kind of opening a uh, uh, a crafting menu to get. Mm-hmm leather and go to the crafting person and upgrade th- those kind I of things. I think that's more close to what Valhalla was doing and I think okay. what they're what they're doing here is probably just a even slightly more scaled back version of that considering uh, the size of it. Again, grain of salt pretty early on still. Mm-hmm. Uh just got back into Baghdad, but you know, it is go to the tower, ping the things on the map, uh search around the city for stuff, take your side quests if you want. They have the investigations menu, which is what I remember from um in my time with Origins, you know, like mm-hmm. I I'm, I don't know if they brought it into everything else. Yeah, but, no, um, they've all all of them have some version of that. Uh the order is back. I suspect that is something that was I think that's what it was in Origins as well, the guys with the big gold masks, right? They were in uh, uh were they in Valhalla as well? The instead of the what was that would they call the bad guys in the original ones? Uh the well there's temp- templars templars yes yeah. so this is the order not the templars yeah um they don't become the templars until considerably the after this stuff. i think okay. yeah um and so you know it's it feels more parry kill i think that's the biggest thing to uh get into right the combat the mm-hmm. combat doesn't feel as god of war like or kind of mashy as maybe things had gotten when i yes. when i played uh uh origins it is. It feels a little more restrained on timing and uh, subtlety and parries. Um, mm-hmm. Very parry based. Like, hey, here's an attack you can parry. Here's an attack you can't parry. If you parry, you might be able to get this one hit kill in. So that's cool. Uh, now I can't really say too too much without just basically speculating where things would go because I'm so early on. Uh, but it didn't initially set up a world that seemed full of mystery to me like Mm -hmm. um you you know like kind of what you want from an assassin's creed game this kind of subterfuge and what is going on behind the scenes here i but i haven't maybe i haven't cracked the surface too much yet uh you know maybe yeah it's hard to say at an early stage though i've seen some some people who have reviewed this game talking about how it does not necessarily feel like it ascends beyond the this used to be dlc kind of feel to it which is to Mm. say that even though they have thrown more production at it and you know tried to to scale it out a little bit more, it has n- it does not necessarily like loose itself from the reins of hey this is attached to a previous game. I could I, I again having not played the previous game and only played two hours of this, um, well I could 
if telling me that I can I can map that onto how yeah. I'm feeling a bit in here. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm going to keep going with it for sure. I feel like the question that's going to rise out of this is: Should I play Valhalla <laughs> to understand what's going on here? And to yeah. that, I say, go with God. Um, it's too much. Like that game oh. is too much. It's not bad, but it is. There is way too much of Valhalla for what it actually has to offer. And unless you want to spend like a hundred fucking hours playing an okay game, I'd say just read a wiki and then move jump into this thing if you're really itching for it. Yeah, I might just like watch one of those recapped YouTube videos and and be good with that. Odyssey as well. I Odyssey sounds like maybe a, a more interesting game to me, but uh, I never. Odyssey has that better characters. Either. That's the main okay. thing. Is that like I, my main problem? I mean, I had a few problems with Valhalla. My main problem is that none of the characters are that exciting or interesting. Um, Eivor in particular, no matter which performance you get, is not that exciting of a protagonist. Uh, you know, at least with Cassandra, as opposed to Alexios in Odyssey, Cassandra was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, you can spend half that game basically just fucking the entirety of, uh, of Greece, which is great. Uh -huh. just you can, you can do a lot of that stuff in Valhalla, but it's a lot more muted and just does not have as much, like, pizzazz as what the, the previous two had. Uh... Assassin's Creed Mirage very st feels, feels much more stealthy also. Uh, I mean, you're... I mean, that's good. That's what people yeah. were asking for, really. This is this is a stealth game within a confined city, that, right. which is, is kind of what they had gotten away from with their more open-worldy um, And get on them. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious to see where it goes. Again, it is $50. It is available on uh, everything except for the Switch. And that Don't worry, be, they'll do a streaming version of it at some point. <laughs> that should It'll be, look great. Uh, out on the fifth. I think that the one thing I'll say real quick that has made me interested in looking at it, although I could probably just look at YouTube, they put that Assassin's Creed 1 visual filter in there, which I did not realize until I today. I didn't know until you mentioned that, yeah. Like, apparently it shifts the color palette toward that more desaturated, like, you remember the look of the first game, right? The very yeah. first game, like, it's got that washed out, like, bluish kind of look to it apparently does that to this, which is just a pure nostalgia play, but I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this this whole thing is kind of a nostalgia play, right? Yes. So, makes sense. Like, going back to the Middle East, you know, going back to that style of gameplay, like, and, and I think those are all smart decisions on their part. It's just that, you know, does this thing actually deliver? And I've seen some mixed feelings on that. Hmm. Uh, that's Assassin's Creed Mirage. Alex... Yeah. Fights in tight spaces is back. Weapon of choice. Cue up your Christopher Walken and your fat boy Slim. Let's mm -hmm. fucking go. Yeah, I uh, I forgot this was coming out, honestly, uh, until I saw the, hey, this is out notice about it. And I was like, fuck, I haven't booted up fighting some tight spaces in like a year-ish. Uh-huh. Am I going to be able to jump back in here? Am I going to have a good time with this? Instantly. Like within 10 yeah. minutes, I was already kind of back under the spell of this thing. My favorite game of 2021. Good. I know you love it. Uh, yeah. So this introduces weapons. Yes. Uh, there was always like a little bit of like knife crime in that game, but <laughs> yeah. uh, guns were mostly relegated to enemies. Now they have given you the ability to do some John Wick shit with guns, uh, which is always fun. And uh, there is a separate DLC campaign that comes along with it. You can either implement the gun deck stuff into the main campaign, or you can just do this other side campaign, which is like a slightly different quote-unquote story, though the story in these is pretty light. It's more of just a structure to get you through it. But the gun moves are cool. 
Like that's that's the only thing that mattered as far as like is this DLC any good? And yes, the gun moves are cool. Stuff still chains together really well with these new attacks. Like it feels like it flows with the other stuff that's already there. Uh, do the bad guys all have guns too now? Not all of them. Like it, okay. but there are there are more gun enemies that have been introduced <laughs> as a result of this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it had been just long enough since that game came out that I was starting to wonder if they were kind of done with it. But then I remembered that they had this DLC campaign, and yes, now that they have dropped this, I'm like, you could just keep adding to this for a while if you want. That'd be great. I'd be into it. Do you have a weapon of choice so far in the game? Um, I've only played through the DLC campaign once, and by through, I mean I got to like four stages in and then died. Uh, uh-huh. But but so far, it has been you have a handgun. And okay. there are a bunch of different attacks that kind of come along with that. Oh, but okay. it isn't like they more give you gotta... a bunch of different guns so far. Oh, maybe maybe different whole levels. Have I mean, they, different... there could be a situation where you start evolving or getting new attacks yeah. that are like different guns, but that has not happened for me yet. Okay, I thought it was going to be like a card per gun, t- gun type or something. No, no, no. no. It's more like you get a deck that is guns. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. The gun deck. Yeah. Um, weapon of choice. Out now, I think it's ten bucks if I remember correctly. For the I'm DLC, the st- I'm looking at the store page right now just to verify. Uh, it is in fact yes, ten bucks, nine ten bucks, bucks right now on Steam. Um, you have to buy the game separately. Yes, the game is separate. Though I think the game is also like, if you buy the complete edition with everything right now, yeah, it's thirty five bucks. Okay, it's a fun game. A yeah, game. it is. That is uh, uh, Fights in Tight Spaces, Weapon of Choice, Walk Without Rhythm, mm-hmm. It Won't Attract the Worm. Now we all know. Now we all get it. Now we've yeah. all seen Dune. Finally. Yeah. Finally, everything's coming together. The, the convergence. Um, Brad Shoemaker. Mm-hmm. Bring it home. Can't, can't peel you away. From that remnant too, how, and how did this happen? I, you're spreading your sickness. I feel like to me, um, there was a thing <clears throat> after we streamed Remnant Two on <clears throat> Monday where you're like, "Can you stick around and get a thing?" And then I was like, like, "Join my game for ten minutes to stand on these pressure plates <laughs> for me uh, to help you get a thing." And then I was like, "Oh man, I think I might jump back into this and start scooping up some stuff too. This stuff seems awesome." I don't, I don't know how this happened. Like, it's not like I've been playing this game consistently since we started streaming it. I just fell back into it on Sunday. And have probably played like 15 hours of it since then. Got the loot lust. Like, I, I started hitting the wiki as part of it and realizing just how goddamn much loot there is that we have not found. Because most of the loot in that game is hidden behind either, like, boss or optional encounters or some kind of weird environmental puzzle or secret wall or something. Like, that that game is just a... It's got one foot in Dark Souls, one foot in Destiny, basically. It's probably worth pointing out to people who don't know Remnant 2... Uh, we've been streaming it uh, in our series, uh, unnamed as of yet. Maybe we'll think of a good name by the time we get to the end of Remnant 2. But the game rolls kind of a, a not randomized necessarily, but a, a um, different worlds per playthrough for, for each player. So when, Brad, you're playing your single-player campaign, you're getting different encounters in different worlds than maybe we're going through, which have different items sometimes, right? Yes. There's so a side quality to yeah. it. I, I, I wound up with Endera's End in uh, in my playthrough, which is a side optional dungeon that we did not get in Alex's campaign online. I also got the best version. Dude, there's, this game's wild. And like some of it 
some of the grindiness, some of the RNG, like depending on randomness stuff is, would be pretty off-putting to some people. It kind of is to me at times, the level of things that can be randomized and the level of things that you might want that you might have to keep re-rolling over and over and playing through again and again, hoping show up like that stuff arguably is a little much. So like there's three major worlds and the order that you encounter them in your playthrough is randomized. Once you once you draw a world, there are two totally different storylines through that world that have different locations and different events and stuff. The optional dungeons you get attached to those are different. And then each dungeon, each thing also is put together out of random components that mm-hmm. you may or may not get. So like like that Indera's End side dungeon that I got, there's that musical puzzle we got. Yeah. Actually, you saw both of them. There's a musical tower and there's the pressure plate thing. Oh, so both of them are either the music, some musical puzzle so, either way. So reading Reddit, I got pretty lucky that I got both tower and pressure plate in my role of Indera's End. Okay. Because like people were like, oh man, you got the good role. You got both of them because they're both like chock full of items basically. So I got like six really good rare items out of that because like I had access to those puzzles. But like if you didn't get that, so there, there's an archer ring in that dungeon I did not get that makes that bow way, way better. Mm-hmm. So now I'm faced with the prospect of maybe re-rolling adventure mode in, in that world over and over <laughs> until I not only get Indera's End again, but the right version of it that has access to that ring. And, and to clarify, because uh, it, I'm familiar with it and it's still confusing, there's the campaign mode, which you roll your seed and you kind of go through your kind of predetermined c- campaign world that you've gotten. Or there's adventure mode where you're kind of just... <laughs> could basically be called farming mode, right? Where you're just kind Pretty of much. rolling the world over and over again. Or or you get the one you want to go into that particular world, version of that world you want and go in there, which it doesn't affect your campaign. Yeah, like ultimately it can be used for farming. It's actually nice though, because as soon as you finish a world in any form, like I finished it in Alex's game that we've been streaming, mm-hmm. um, they unlock adventure mode for that world. So in, in my case, you're only going to get one of the two storylines, right? The first time through a world, I immediately just started adventure mode in that world and landed on the other storylines. So now I'm getting to see like all new stuff basically. Right. But you could have just um, re-rolled it immediately to try to get the other one if you wanted. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, but you know, your first time through the game, you don't know any difference between one or the right. other. So it might as well just take the one you get and then go do the other one. But then like, I also spent a significant amount of time farming blood essence so I could unlock the summoner class, which requires right, are- warping around in Yasha until you get a blood moon event. <laughs> Like it starts feeling very MMO like, like, and you know, it's, it, I start to say it starts feeling Destiny like, but Destiny is just a shooter MMO essentially at its core in terms of loot drops and randomness and all that stuff. It's actually interesting. Like, I think we'll touch on this when we talk about the Sony news in a little bit. This game feels in every way like a live service game, except there is zero service attached to it. It, like, it's it is purely, a- it's purely a pay the price, get the game, play the game. It is a um, one to three player cooperative third person shooter with loot based shooter but Brad you're in single player what do you think so far versus the uh three player uh well I'm I left it on veteran which is the second difficulty level which is pretty goddamn punishing by yourself okay um so there's that doable um, if I people want to I play single player yeah i think it's better in co-op it's more entertaining you get to synergize classes because you guys are playing totally different classes than me mm-hmm. um it's absolutely viable you could have fun with it for sure um and i i think it's got matchmaking i think you can just like join on random people's games okay and if and you wanted I, to do that and again if you haven't been keeping track we've been playing a bunch of this throughout the last couple of weeks but um i'll say this about playing especially random co-op 
they do a really good job of sharing all of these spoils of war with everybody that's in the co-op game. I think the only thing that really doesn't um, come back to every player when they pick it up is ammo. Uh, but um, crafting materials, uh, um, boss drops, all of those things, armor, treasure, all gets uh, shared and duplicated to every player that's in that world, or it's supposed to. Unless it, it bugs bug out. out which, yeah. In fact... Not getting that lightning pistol that you guys got because I was dead and it bugged out is the whole reason I went back to this game. I was just uh, like, fucking fine. I'm going to put the six hours in to get back to that point in the game in my playthrough so I can get that damn pistol, which I did. But I got so much other stuff along the way that I was like, oh my god, there is so much stuff to get in this game that we have never seen. It also and, looks really good. Yeah, it looks mm -hmm. really good. And it's also like a lot of really interesting mechanics. Like it's, it is the Destiny thing of like they came up with a lot of really interesting ideas for not just the way these guns look, but also how they behave and what they do mechanically. So there's just a lot to see there. Uh, it is out on um, Xbox PlayStation 5, or it's on X and S, but it's on PlayStation 5, not 4. Yeah, uh, I'm not NPC. clear. I think the console versions were maybe a little rough at launch. I'm not sure how they are now. We've been playing on Steam, uh, which I is also a little crashy and buggy, but still... Uh, I had heard on launch maybe some of the um, friends and matchmaking stuff on the console, especially the PlayStation 5, was a little maybe not all there. There, I think they are working on cross play, but there is no cross progression, and I don't think I don't think that's on a roadmap. So yeah, um, if you get yeah. it, get, make coordinate with your friends if you're going to play it. If you're if you're going to pick it up on which platform you want to play. Yeah, it's it's just it's just weird. My relationship with this game has totally shifted in the last like three four days from. I know that this term is usually used very pejoratively and I don't mean it that way, but like we've been kind of like content tourists through the game so far, just playing through it once, you know, like whatever, it's fine, right? Like you're just gonna play through the game and you're done with it. But like I've gone from the, yeah, we'll play it two hours a week. We'll get through it eventually to scrutinizing wikis, like learning very intricately how all the environments are put together and what can spawn in different roles, you know, that kind of thing. Like, like to really intimately get to know all of the game's ins and outs and start exploiting it is like a very different way to play a game like this than to just go through it once. Mm -hmm. I can't um, wait to watch your lore videos. And, hmm. it, and it starts to, you know, it's, I, I've only watched a couple of build videos. Like there are people <laughs> out there are straight up, there are straight up like DPS theory crafters on YouTube, uh, putting together like crazy builds in this game, which I don't think I'll ever quite get to the point of, but like I've, I've kind of got a ramshackle bleed build going now because <laughs> I've gotten like four different bleed things that I've comboed together. I have had a lot of fun playing through with you guys and seeing the stuff you picked up individually, which is also interesting because now your character is very different than ours because playing yeah. it together, we kind of all had the same stuff. And if it's really good stuff, eventually we're starting to get more and more things where we're diverging, but we kind of were using all the same things. Yeah. But now to see your character have a very different build and loadout than ours is also very interesting yeah uh, so I, I finally finally got the summoner class so now i've got now i've got two monsters and a turret hanging out with me which in some cases is just drop all that shit and stand back got your pet classes let it, do, let it do its thing um it it does feel a little punishing in spots the last thing i'll say like for people who know the game uh i i got uh the imperial gardens in the current yesha playthrough i'm doing i know this sounds like gibberish <laughs> Um, there's a giant like moth boss that spawns in that side dungeon, but it can have all these modifiers on it that like make it regen health or teleport around the map. <clears throat> and that thing, it's hard to explain. This boss like flies around the map constantly and it'll like attack you, but then fly away. And so like the recommended way to kill this optional boss is to go in with a party and position people around different ah. parts of the map. 
so they can continue shooting it when it flies away from the per- first person shooting it and gets near them. Because like by yourself, it's like basically impossible. And if you pull a version of it that can regen health or like teleport away from you, it's like quite literally impossible to kill by yourself. Did you beat it? No, fuck no. Bring us in. Let's do I it. Couldn't we? Could we? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys next week want to, it it it, it drops a pretty good mutator for what yeah, it's worth. Yeah, jump in. Well, you guys, you guys want to join my adventure mode next week and try to kill this <laughs> moth boss? Hell yeah. Uh, we could give it a shot. We'll mothball that moth boss. Um. I think that's cool that like you have a different thing that we probably won't see in our playthrough. Yeah, but it, it stuff like that feels like, especially when my version of that moth spawned with the teleporter, which makes it like almost impossible to even hit, let alone kill. It kind of feels like a big fuck you from the game in a way that, in the way that the Dark Souls games will do sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just like this feels like this this feels like wrong design, <laughs> not just bad design, but wrong design. It's like this mm. shouldn't exist in a video game. Like no, like malicious. No, like- nobody in their right mind would actually yes would actually put this in a video game and then foist it on people and have to make them deal with it. And yet they did. Yeah, um, put your turret on it. Stick yeah, your like turret on one spot and uh, your your other stuff. Are, no, let's get us in there. Let's yeah, do it. It's 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 weird. The game the game is really cool. Like there's some shit in there that happened to me in the middle of a conversation that felt straight out of Bloodborne that I won't go into detail on. It's 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 a really really cool game. As Remnant Two that came out a little while ago, um, uh, but is still out there again on PS5 and Xbox Series X and S, and on the PC of course. Uh, I think that's gonna do it for the games. Unless anybody else has anything else they want to add. I'll probably jump back into some assassins uh, for the rest of the till next week. See what comes out. We I know we got more stuff even on the horizon, the Forza Horizon. Um, but yeah, Forza next week. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with the news. Stick around. And we are back, and it is time for the video game news. Brad Shoemaker, your favorite Crash Zoom, is stepping down. Mm-hmm. True. About what? T- 10 minutes after we finished the podcast last week. God, it was super quick. Uh, Jason Schreier of Bloomberg broke the story that Jim Ryan is set to resign from Sony Computer Entertainment. Who is sorry. Jim Ryan? I'm sorry. Sony yes. Interactive Entertainment. Thank I will never get much. used to that. <laughs> no. Ever. Sony Computer Entertainment was a better name. Well, you won't have to get used to the reign of Jim Ryan either because it's coming to an end. Um, yeah, I had to look it up. It was just 2019 that he took over head of Sony. Or, sorry, head of PlayStation, I should say. Head Sean of Layton game. before him, right? Yes. Head of, what is it, game, games and network services now, I think. Is the is the division or something like that? They're... Mm. They're reorg and shuffling around of stuff. So SIE, Sony Interactive Entertainment, he was CEO of that. But before that, uh, he's been at Sony for ages, right? For decades. Jim yeah, Ryan. I guess he'd been there since the launch of the first PlayStation, actually. 30 years. Um, And then, uh, so there's the Sony group, right? I, God damn it. I, somebody I follow in sort of a business games, business capacity that I just always assume people like that are older than me tweeted when this one out. It was like, oh, wow, he's been at Sony longer than I've been alive. I'm just like, motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it. That means that I am like 15 years older than this person that I was sure was older than me. Anyway, uh-huh. moving on. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's Sony group and then there's the PlayStation group. And then at some point they kind of shuffled things around to kind of have a more Western, uh, centralized, a part portion of Sony. 
Um, it sounds like from the story you linked here, Brad, he was spending a lot of time in North America or living in North America. And he's- yeah, I've, I can't remember how all that Sony rework stuff went down. Wasn't it, was it still in the Andrew house era that they moved leadership to California? I believe yes. is how that went. It was. And then he retired and then it was Sean Layden and then Jim Ryan. Is, Jim that, Ryan. Mm-hmm. is that the lineage? That is, is he- my recollection of it. Yeah. Like, like the, I, the key point here is he's retiring. Like they <laughs> are all using the retiring language. This is not like whatever number of Jim Ryan haters there are out there saw this and was just like, oh, well, he fucked up bad, huh? But no, like, no. it seems like. Or at know, least I mean, stepping down from this position voluntarily. Like, yeah, I mean, it could be a yes. Reggie thing where it's like, yeah. I'm retiring, yes, but yeah. actually I'm just going to go sit on a bunch of boards somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anybody that ascends to this level of business has got it made in terms of whatever <laughs> they want to do after their main career is over. But I'm, you know, 30 years is a long time at any company. Yeah. Um, or for a career, let alone once you're the head of a thing like this, you have certainly made enough money to not work anymore. I, um, I, I am not a Jim Ryan liker. I have found him incredibly off-putting in the time that he has been uh, head of this division and and being the kind of public face of PlayStation. And I also don't think he did anything here. I think this is more a result of probably a combination of things, including. I'm guessing him looking at the forecast for the next couple of years of the game business, which everyone seems to be doing right now, deciding whether it's worth putting up with all the bullshit that he clearly hates, uh, which includes interacting with the people who buy his products, <laughs> and deciding now's the time to get out. Yeah, I mean, um, that's the, my report- guess. the reporting in this article from Video Games Chronicle you know, states PlayStation 5 is on track to be one of the best-selling uh, um, PlayStation products out there, which is, you know, I think PlayStation's in a pretty, they just acquired Bungie. They're mm-hmm. trying to, um, you know, fight their way through this Microsoft acquisition and merger. The only thing I guess that's been on Jim's plate aside from the PlayStation five launched through the COVID time, which, you know, I, that's not what really his fault is maybe positioning during this Microsoft merger, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. Maybe that's on his plate, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it, yeah, there's, really... stuff. there's the, the Bungie acquisition. Um, I mean, the other thing, and I don't think he started this, but he certainly shepherded it for his tenure is the kind of rise of the network revenue at Sony. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the PlayStation network and related online services have become a major business focus for them. And like mm-hmm. that has mostly been quite successful. Although this recent price increase of plus, certainly has not gone down well you know Mm -hmm. how that's how that's been handled uh at the micro level may be questionable but it seems like it's that's been very profitable for them i don't know it it raises an interesting like quandary for people in his position these days of like alex talking about like not necessarily the most like likable face no you know I, i got nothing against the guy but like you know he like he made some of those comments about like you know, there is the like we believe in generation stuff about the backwards compatibility, which turned out to be kind of nonsense. Like he made some disparaging comments toward old PlayStation games. Yeah. Remember that? Remember when he essentially was sort of like, "Why would anybody want to play our old games?" Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think like, he's malicious or no. a terrible figure. It's more that I just think he's a very business guy that did not belong in a public facing position like yeah. this, where you are essentially the face and the voice of the brand. And that's the quandary that I was thinking of. And this goes all the way back to, you know, like I, I went to E3 press conferences in the late 90s that were just in a hotel ballroom with the executives on stage showing pie charts and bar graphs of sales data, right? Like, mm-hmm. like people in this position weren't necessarily put in this position to be like 
stage presences or faces or hype men or whatever they were put there to make business decisions. Right. But now, now with what like the public facing side of the games business has become, they kind of have to be, you know, like, like, like who've been the good ones, like Reggie, Jack Tratton, Iwata, Phil Spencer, Phil Spencer is great. Like Peter Moore. I mean, he was not head of things, but like, like there have been people with yeah. like ex- excellent sort of, I don't know, stage craft or whatever you want to call it. And Jim I think Ryan, even, not necessarily one of those, even the less good of the PlayStation people, at least in terms of like charisma, like, you know, Andrew house wasn't the most charismatic person, but when he was talking to you on a stage, it felt like he understood the products he was selling. And he also understood the audience that was there to, con- to, to listen to what he had to say about them. Yeah. yeah Sean Layden was you. the same way. Like he did not, was not mm-hmm. the head of that thing long enough to really make a huge lasting impression, but he never seemed like a guy that was like peevish or otherwise unpleasant to listen to or talk about this stuff. I think, I think Jim Ryan was just the wrong guy for this position in terms of what that actually entails beyond the nitty gritty business deal stuff. Yeah. Yes, I, I don't disagree, but you know, at the same time, like the Sony board would be like, "Fucking, who cares what he's like on stage as long oh, yeah. as he is, is as long as he is driving growth." Um, I, I but I guess the jury is out. Those, charisma in those levels never hurts, right? Even even Nintendo has had charisma in you know their like when you when you break when you trot out the person who is the the captain of the ship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's always fun to have somebody with some charisma. Uh, yeah yeah of course it's better yeah, to have it better. absolutely like yeah. this this whole thing reminded me people were like posting pictures of kevin butler remember that whole thing yes <laughs> like it kind of I, I i i generally thought that bit was pretty good mm-hmm. at least at least until it wore out his welcome mm. um but like it almost makes you wonder like why don't they have like people who are just hype people for stuff like this but like there's always more value in the people actually making the decisions being the ones who come out and pitch them yeah um anyway i guess it seems like the jury is probably out on his tenure like i think it's it's like the bungee acquisition and this kind of focus on live service games is going to be the thing that's going to take some more time to play out whether that was the right direction or not i don't feel like current indicators are great for that personally Mm -hmm. like it feels like we've kind of run out of runway on (laughs) games as a service largely um, well, you, you think we're at the, you mean there's not a lot of headroom or, um, yeah, or, no, we were like past way past saturation point, saturation um, point. I, like they're was, still going to do it. I mean, well, you know, they'll do it to some degree, but that was like the stated goal of bringing Bungie in was like, Hey, they can, they can help steer other live service projects within Sony. They can yeah. help act as a steward of stuff like that. So like, there's this news out this week that a naughty dog is like terminating the contracts of some of their contract workers early. Mm-hmm. which kind of is essentially a layoff, even though they weren't full-time mm. staff, but they're still being let go before their uh, original like term of work is completed. But then the news that's attached to that is that apparently that last of us multiplayer game is like one step away from canceled at this point. Okay. Uh, that it's, I think on ice is the phrase that has been reported. Um, I forget who, I think it was Kotaku that reported that. Yeah. Um, and that thing had seemed troubled before, mm. but like that's like arguably Sony's most like prized first party studio, right? Doing mm-hmm. a multiplayer game, a life service game that all of a sudden is like probably not going to happen now. Um, like there's the Sega News Hyenas that was in production at Creative yes. Assembly, which was another life service first person shooter competitive arena thing, has been canceled. 
somewhat unceremoniously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very unceremoniously, because they just debuted that thing like less than a year ago. Hasn't it? I think it's maybe even been in test at some point. Like yeah. it's had private private alphas or something of that nature, because I saw people talking about having played it. Um, yeah, Creative Assembly is going to have layoffs in the wake of that project being shut down. Like it just, it feels like the signs for the health of the sort of games as a service market are not great at the moment. Well, I mean, it's that stuff for sure, but I think in general, the overall health of games business seems yes. like it is just yes. in a very weird place right now. You know, like it's not just live service things that are getting canceled and, you know, people being laid off from, but like that does seem like the focus of it because I imagine what they're running into is they're realizing the investment in this stuff is just not going to bring the return that they were expecting initially, you know, because yeah. those because there is that tapering off. But in general, like everyone seems like they are now in cut weight mode in order to hit whatever they think this recession is going to be or whatever, even if it's just at the games level, whatever they think is coming as far as the business is concerned and whether that actually bears out, who fucking knows, but like it feels like a lot of things that might have just, they might have let fly in the past. They're just like, no, we're not doing that now. Yeah, I guess that pretty much brings us right into the Epic news that Epic is cutting 16% of its workforce. Which is a lot of people. Uh, so what is it? 900 people or yeah, just eight, under? 830 jobs is what the statement says. Um, yeah. This is Tim's, bonkers. Tim, Tim Sweeney just straight up posted a memo saying, for a while now, we've been spending way more money than we earn. Investing in the next evolution of Epic and growing Fortnite as a metaverse-inspired ecosystem for creators. I uh, hit that whole end of that sentence. Uh, I had long been optimistic that we could power through this transition without layoffs, but in retrospect, I see that this was unrealistic. Um, yeah, we know you were tweeting about it in January, about how Epic was incredibly poised to deal with oncoming recession. So, I, yeah. I, I cannot believe he is still using the word metaverse, <laughs> not just in this memo, but also on Twitter still. I think Tim Sweeney might be a little bit of a dope. Well, uh, I like that. I don't know. I mean, he's built a multi-billion-dollar company. Like he's obviously done some things right, but yes, like to be to still be chasing that. Like, I'm I'm saying current Tim Sweeney, I think, has maybe become a little bit brain poisoned by the internet because the way that guy posts and like all that dumb grandstanding around the Apple lawsuit bullshit. Like, it feels like that is a dude who is huffing his own supply in a significant way. Yeah, I just, I mean, like, who else is saying the word multiverse still? Like, it feels like it's, like, right behind <laughs> NFT metaverse, on, yeah. on, oh, metaverse, on the list of, metaverse. Yeah. oh, did I say? You said, you multiverse. said multiverse. multiverse. But I mean, Everybody, that's also an overused yeah, buzz term, so it's fair. saying multiverse. Fair. Um, but Brad, metaverse, you- metaverse feels like it's right behind NFT on the list of things that, like, just about everybody has realized, like, oh, this was just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. It's time yeah. to move on. Uh, you should read his next paragraph there because I thought this was one of the more interesting things about where they're seeing the growth in their business. Or, or oh yeah, he essentially is saying that like first of all, he says he says while Fortnite is starting to grow again, I, I guess I did not realize that it had plateaued at some point, but he basically is saying a lot of the growth they're seeing now is coming out of the revenue share driven creator stuff they're doing, and that obviously by necessity that's less profitable than the core Fortnite business. Um, but then they just, laid off all the people that apparently manage those relationships in that part of the business. Yeah, I'm not clear. Well, there's two components to this because they've also sold off Bandcamp, which they just bought. I like just bought. Before, I forgot we were going to talk about this when we were coming into the news. And as soon as it came up, I had this immediate pang of anger that I was feeling at the end of last week around that stuff. I'm 
fucking infuriated about what they did with that company. Yeah, like they bought Bandcamp and seemed to do almost nothing with it and now have sold it off to some sort of marketing entity. Yeah, also, I think their, their primary thing is like licensing. Uh, they also, I guess they have some, is it an advertising business called Super Awesome, which I yes. was not familiar with? It was their with. in-house marketing advertising okay. thing. They're spending that off to like, I mean, I, what I gather from this statement is they're trying to winnow down to just people working on the core things that they think are profitable, which are Unreal Engine and Fortnite. Yes. And, and publishing. Seems to be... Let me see. And that's fair, because they don't do a lot outside of that stuff. These other things feel kind of like dalliances more than anything else. I don't know why they bought Bandcamp. I'm still, like, racking mm. my brains trying to figure out what they thought they were going to do with that thing. And I guess I'm glad they weren't the ones to come in and just completely fuck it up, but... Like, selling to a company like that after, le like, a year, maybe less even, of that just says to me, you had no idea why you bought this thing in the first place, and as soon as you realized it wasn't a thing you could just easily turn the money machine on with, you're like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that anymore. And it's like, great, you just fucked with one of the mm. only independent cornerstones of the music industry left. Great job. Yeah, it sucks. Um, okay. Fortnite, first-party development, Fortnite creator ecosystem, Rocket League, and Fall Guys, although they cut Mediatonic, the, the developer that made Fall Guys. I think they came back and said, no, we didn't shut down Mediatonic. We just actually laid off like 80% of the staff. But mm. Mediatonic still exists, if I remember uh, correctly, which, ugh. Um, let's see. Services for developers, including Unreal Engine, uh, Epic Games Store, Epic Games Publishing, Epic Online Services, and then a bunch of like, you know... Uh, game development tech, MetaHuman, Quixel, ArtStation, Sketchfab. Anyway, like those are those are all the things they say they are now focusing or reinvesting in. Um, I was very as, worried about harmonics. And as, as, yeah, I'm kind of amazed that they mm. didn't get hit, but they must be working on stuff. Well, they did lose some people, but it does not oh, sound like it was a significant portion of that team. Um, and the the reason I was worried was that they have not done one of those Fortnite concert things in a little bit. And it had been some months, I think. So I think March was the last one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I just I just assumed that they maybe weren't doing the numbers they used to, but I don't know. I mean, they're still putting out that Rock Band DLC, though it's it's a pretty, you know... Let's just say there's a lot of on-disc songs that never made it to DLC that have been popping up lately. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're not throwing as much production pipeline behind that. But, you know, I mean, their primary focus now is supposed to be on this this Fortnite stuff and the concerts and music experiences around that. And it sounds like they're still doing that. But they just haven't done one in a while, so I was wondering if they were just going to start winding that stuff down. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a pretty brutal year in the games employment space. Yeah, and it does not feel like it's over yet as far as that stuff goes. Um, of course, man, this feels like ancient history now. What is even time anymore? But it's hard to remember that all the like big tech layoffs were even this same year. Mm -hmm. That feels like five years ago, but like the massive Facebook and Microsoft and all those layoffs. Uh, Google earlier this year like this just seems like catching up to that basically yeah i mean uh, micro, in terms microsoft of, in terms of the, stuff the, the even climate the, it's games right yeah like the, the, just the general climate and the way companies are, are treating it it's it, um, you know this story suggests that maybe some of it was um some ramping up and then contraction during yeah, that's, pandemic that was, and then yes and uh, and epic epic has taken investment from outside parties significantly um uh, so which they obviously like took and tried to spin up new businesses with and apparently didn't do successfully. 
But that was I'm, kind of the word with unity as well. If that policy that they just rushed out the door was that they also made a lot of big investments over the last three, four years. And now we're facing a shortfall that they have to make up for. Yeah. Kind of bad bets, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. like we, we kind of put a lot of money into this thing. It didn't go the way we, we couldn't keep up that level. Uh, and yeah, so I don't know. I'm no economist, but it's, uh, you know, obviously I hope everybody who is affected by these and it's now a v- lot of people, um, fine. Well, and let's be clear. A lot of those, like the vast majority of those people are not the people who are making those bets. Oh no no! Like no, the people okay. who are making those, those, those it's Certainly never not. the people who no. make the bets that no, are the no. ones that come out bad on this. No, they're unless unless there's Satoru Iwata who actually <laughs> did famously cut his pay in half when Nintendo's financials came in uh, under projections. But no, I'm telling this, you, if only, if only everybody was Iwata, the number of actual people you can call decent at the C-suite level in video games is not that high. I think Iwata was one of them. Um, yes, agreed. Um, like kind of the only thing you can say positively about this is that the severance is at least pretty good. It's six months of six, six months of pay and healthcare. That's pretty good. Um, which is certainly above the average by a lot. Yeah. Uh, but that's about it. I mean, it still leaves, you know, almost 900 people possibly looking for jobs. Uh, yes. so in a, in a market that might, well, that from where we report or stand feels like it's contracting. So, um, it's not, a, not a great space to be, uh, so yeah. is anything yeah, else on the Epic stuff or Epic, no. Epic slash hyenas slash Jim Ryan? No, I just wonder if anything else is coming down the pike in terms of mass layoffs at this point. I, I'm just girding myself for the rest of this year. Cause it feels like everyone is just fucking seeing ghosts of a recession. And I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. I, there were, well, and the money spigot has been turned off with the interest rates going up. So yeah, there will definitely be more layoffs. I mean, we saw. I think we did. We mentioned in the kind of rundown the the tombstones out there, the embracer group stuff. Like mm-hmm. there has been. Oh, yeah. yeah, that saga is still ongoing. Yeah, I think we're we're not through a lot of this yet. Um, Alex. Yeah, not to be left out. Ubisoft. Uh, back. Well, in they're the not news. laying people off this time, at least. Though it's still well, they, is... they they already laid these people off. Yeah. Um. During or their... force them out, shall we say? Or force them out. What's going on? Uh, why is why are former Ubisoft executives back in the news? So, if you will remember, obviously there was the the larger sexual misconduct scandals at Ubisoft uh, involving a number of the C suite people and creatives, like lead creatives at at Ubisoft uh, in France and in in Canada. A lot of allegations and, of misconduct yeah. and sexual harassment. Varying degrees of severity, some of them very severe. Um, so it's been a while since anything had really come of this, especially since a lot of these figures, again, were were either forced out or uh, left into the night uh, from the company yeah. a couple of years ago. But so there were arrests, uh, apparently, of or at the very least detainments of uh, what what. Uh, Liberation, the uh, the 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 French uh, publication, saying three ex employees and then another two uh, the day after, um, and those include uh, uh, Serge Hascoet, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that last name. I apologize. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll buy that. And Tommy Francois, uh, who was uh, sort of the vice president of editorial and creative services there. 
uh serge was the uh basically the head of all their like games editorial like you know kind of their their creative juice stuff and you know they were both like uh, the primary figures in those investigations and so these arrests come uh in the wake of i guess what has essentially been you know french authorities investigations into these things and interviews with both people who made the allegations and people who worked with them at the time uh what is actually going to come of that i have no idea but it clearly whatever bore out from those investigations led to them saying we are going to at the very least bring you in for questioning and potentially file charges yeah i think these are the first arrests that have been made in any of these as far as I know, situations, yes. right? I mean, Blizzard, everything, like all the ones that have been in the news. Yeah, They're, a lot of these where they couldn't just bury the information, they just let people go or force them out and then tried to move on without ever really addressing that stuff again. Uh, there was a quote here uh, in this Game Industry Biz story from um, one of the plaintiff's lawyers that said, the case goes beyond individual behavior and, quote, reveals systemic sexual violence. And then uh, Ubisoft's quote, again, these are former Ubisoft employees. They're no longer employed there. But Ubisoft says, Ubisoft has no knowledge of what has been shared and therefore can't comment. Yeah. Well, uh, they wouldn't even if they did, because at this point, you know, Eve's still there. The guy who yeah. more or less let these people run rampant in his company, you know, like that dude has not gone anywhere. He is still running Ubisoft. So yes, I imagine he, he will try to soft pedal this shit as much as he can until he no longer has a choice. Those yeah, I don't, I don't know what the two what years ago calling for uh, calling for Eve said he is still. Yes, getting on stages. The man is well, still there, and he's still getting on a damn stage talking about video games. I can't. I can't remember what the ownership breakdown is of Ubisoft. Like, is he still? <laughs> is his family still majority? I owner? think so. Because that's kind of the situation to get into with some companies like Epic. And I think Tim Sweeney is still the majority owner of Epic. Of course, right. Mark Zuckerberg famously still has over fifty percent of Facebook. So, in those situations, there's only so much that can be done. Um. Yeah. So, former. Execs over at Ubisoft are now arrested uh, by French police following their, like you said, over a year long, years long mm -hmm. investigation. 2021, I believe, is when a lot of this stuff really started breaking. And we are coming, I think as of now, we are about two years from when that, that stuff really hit. Um, all right. Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Nintendo, a, I feel a, like we've had a lot of these stories, Brad. Yeah, not a cheery news week, although this one is at least not involving any human beings being harmed. Well, Says it you. still sucks, actually, when I when I think about it, though. This actually is, like, it was inevitable. Like, this is going to happen everywhere. It's happening with 360 stuff, Xbox 360 next year. Uh, Nintendo is, but, but it is, like, in terms of games preservation, it is, like, lopping off another arm of, of games history. Uh, Nintendo is... Shutting down all online services for the 3DS and Wii U, uh, April of next year, which means that none of the online anything on those platforms will be will function after that. So no more no more playing Splatoon one online, for example. Hmm. Uh, their which, their uh, notice says online co op, internet rankings, and data distribution. Do you know what that means? Uh, Does that mean like downloading? dlc or or updates or patches yeah no 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 like that you will explicitly for now still be able to download and patch games that you own 
But okay. they actually, even there, it's in the fact. Will it still be possible to download update data or purchase software? They actually say, for the foreseeable future, it will still be possible. Uh-huh. So even that, who knows? Um, data distribution. Is that sharing? I don't know. That, that could be anything. That, yeah, that it feels like, like a catch-all for whatever they need it to be. Could be a pretty broad term for who knows what. Um, you know, it's not that many games. Like, the Wii U was not a super successful or long-lived system. Splatoon is kind of the big one I can think of on there. I mean, there are... How am I going to play Dr. Luigi? Two-player. <laughs> I don't know. After this. You're not. What am I going to do? <laughs> Cry. I do, I do love that the last question in this fact is explicitly about street passing. <laughs> you know, you gotta know. Street pass apparently is entirely peer-to-peer, so street pass will function for basically inevitable or, or um, indefinitely. Uh, spot my, passing, which I don't even remember what spot passing is. I don't know. But spot passing uses online communication, so spot pass stuff will stop working on the 3DS, but you will be able to street pass, hopefully forever. My favorite part of that fact is the, what, well, what's still going to be around? It's still possible to use online servers for the following software, but that may also end at some point in the future, and their <laughs> games are Pokemon Bank. And Poketransporter, which are... Yeah those, yeah, those aren't even games. I think those are just features within some Pokemon titles. So, like... So, it's extremely limited stuff. Gotta get to the... This is gonna be a run on the Pokebank. Get there. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I looked around. Like, it's not a ton of games. Like, Kid Icarus Uprising is another 3DS game that seems somewhat notable that you won't be able to play online anymore. But it's just a bummer when stuff like this happens. Yep. Uh... On the other hand, you know, maybe would not be shocked if people find a way to make that stuff work in an alternative fashion at some point. Oh, mm. it'll happen. It just may not happen for some time. You know, yeah, in a world where people are playing Matrix Online actively to this day mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I don't know. Nintendo's, Nintendo doesn't Nintendo's like weird. that stuff. No, no, they don't. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, uh Yeah. If I may, yeah, please do a brief interjection in here. Um, going back to some of the Bandcamp stuff, so I just saw this tweet going around. I had known that that apparently once the Song Trader stuff was announced, uh, they were the so Bandcamp does have a unionized employee base, and there was uh some uncomfort around the fact that Song Trader was not really being super transparent about who was going to come over and who wasn't. Um, based on, uh, this tweet from Ethan Gatch, which is, uh, based on a thing from the Bandcamp United Union, uh, basically a bunch of Bandcamp people have been locked out of systems in, oh, good. uh, since this thing was announced. Just today? Uh, it's, I think it may have been right around the time that, uh, the, the announcement was made. Oh, okay. So... This is apparently fucking up their entire workflow, which is potentially has an impact on stuff like Bandcamp Fridays, which is the the first Friday of every month where they give all the proceeds of sales from that day to the artists and don't take their own cut. Mm. Um, And now they are apparently the union is now in the process of trying to bargain with Epic over layoffs and severance and things like that. And it is a gigantic mess. Well, silver lining, and I know this is a very thin silver lining. At least they have a union to bargain. You know, they like, do, but yeah. I have a feeling that both Epic and Song Trader are probably going to try and subvert that as much as possible in whatever the fuck it is they're planning to do here. Tim Sweeney, <laughs> you are my enemy. Like, I can't tell you how deathly serious I take shit like this because yeah. there is almost nothing left of value 
for the music industry like this still around. Yeah, Bandcamp was cool. I mean, I shouldn't say was, it still is cool. I don't want to like assume it's over or whatever, but like before it got bought, like Bandcamp was extremely cool as as businesses go. Absolutely. I am fucking heated about this and I'm going to be for some time. Let's buy Bandcamp. Who has it? Song, Song Trader. Trader. But are they the top of that food chain? They are now. Or there's somebody owns Song Trader. Oh, Trader without the E, right? Without the E, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's not a good sign. No, never is. No, they are independent. They are so independent. Okay. Can we get somebody at Song Trader on the phone? Yeah. Maybe we can make this deal happen. Gross. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would say best of luck to everybody affected by all of this, but at this point, it's implied, and there's just too many people, and it feels very hollow to say. Uh, that is the news for this week. Yeah, bummer news week. Thanks, Brad. It's not his fault. He didn't make Brad, the news. Brad, make the news don't, better. Don't shoot the messenger, man. Come on. Oh, by the way, also uh, some ex-Bioware uh, people who were laid off in the last round of layoffs are now apparently going to sue Bioware because they're oh. not getting their full severance. Cool. I saw that. I saw that come up. They should do that. It's all going great here time. in the labor market in games. Mm-hmm. I hear everything is, is smooth. Yep. Uh, well-oiled uh, capitalist machine. Burn it all down. Uh, that is going to do it for the news. Hope you're doing well out there. We have a podcast which has an email address and that email address is a podcast at nextlander.com podcast at nextlander.com brad shoemaker are there any fun cheery emails in the email bag Ooh. that can uh, uh tales of happiness and delight and the pieces all fitting together neatly or maybe sure. even like what's your favorite ice cream flavor or uh, sure. would you rather be a a dog with cat legs or a cat with dog legs? So are you looking for animals? Eh, anything. Kevin from Salmon Arm, British Columbia. Okay. Would you guys ever allow a squirrel to come and go freely from your home? Inside, outside? Uh, that's the entirety of the email, so open to interpretation, I suppose. No. If it was mm. a garage, I might consider it not into my yeah. actual home. Those things have claws. They like to scratch on things. Yeah, like if I started throwing out a bunch of qualifiers like it was the world's most well-behaved squirrel and it promised not to go in the house. Uh-huh, like do, then do maybe. business. No. But yes, if we're just talking a squirrel and it's just you can take it or leave it, I guess that seems dangerous. I love squirrels, as, don't get me wrong. They're as tempting as it is. They're adorable creatures had- and I enjoy watching them frolic, but I'm not letting one into my house unless uh, I know it's housebroken. <laughs> Maybe some kind of squirrel door nope. into an enclosed area. Oh, that's just a big squirrel feeder at that point. Mm. Uh, I like squirrels. Yeah. You know, I like chipmunks. I saw some chipmunks last time I was home. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't get as many chipmunks as squirrels. Squirrels, while I think they're adorable and they're a fun part of nature, are also pains in the ass. And yeah. they're, they could... uh I feel like when you get one squirrel, that squirrel's going to go out and tell its squirrel friends that how, and I mean, that you're going to get two squirrels and two squirrels are going to tell their friends and then. Mm-hmm. And so on and so on and so yeah. on. Let me tell you about groundhogs. Yeah. Cherubic little guys. <laughs> they do waddle a bit. Puffy. Yeah. Love them. Not like a squirrel. Yeah, except I'm also not letting that groundhog into my house. Mm, fair, except, except when they when they dig under the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't let a squirrel dig and, under your house, yeah. or 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 a, or a, a groundhog. or anything really. Yeah, 
Yes, tunnels under the home, not a good thing. Or gophers. Uh, Brad, any other emails? Uh, yeah, I'll read one more here from Dan. Uh, Vinny mentioned recently, casually, that he encountered the biggest spider he'd ever seen in his life. Hell yeah, I did. I'm hoping for some more details. Did he run away from the spider? Did he kill it? It's too terrifying to squish a spider of that size, so how did he dispose of it? Hmm. Personally, when I see a large spider, I get out the vacuum as it's an effective way Ooh. of eliminating it while keeping a safe distance. Oh, that's... But then that spider's just, like, alive in the vacuum bag? Or I guess if you uh, have one of those bagless ones, like the no. Dyson? I, I can tell you from experience. Wait, does the spider die? They do not, they do not survive not the... They do not survive the vacuuming process. Is it, like, they get... Does it come through a Do fan? you really want the details? Kinda. Like... Is the fan- Look, if it doesn't get mangled on the way through the hose, uh-huh. eventually that thing is just going to die of, of the trauma of it. <laughs> just being vacuumed up. Yeah. I need to, yeah. I don't- also, there's no food in there for it, so if it is, does survive the, the vacuuming process, where's it going to go? Oh, I just imagine it try and crawl out. I don't know, it just sounds nightmarish, sounds cruel. I don't want to like, think That's about that. That's why I don't that. do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I would, I, I don't do that. I'm very much a put it in under a glass, slide yeah. a little coaster or something That's underneath, exa- yes. and then fling it outside. That's yes. my, my general path. I am a cup and a piece of paper kind of person, though I have a device uh, that I'm holding up to uh, Alex and mm-hmm. Brad. Oh yeah, I see that. It's Whoa. uh wow. And, and it grabs it's for Is that what that's supposed to be for? Cuz that looks like a uh-huh. thing that maybe goes up the booty. <laughs> I mean, you use it for what you need to do, but it's pretty it's designed. Okay, well, that's what I need. Does that not uh, kill the bug? That seems like that would be No, these are some... very soft bristles on the front, and so it kind of it kind of gets around the bug. It's a, it's basically this thing of this wand that has very uh mm-hmm. soft bristles at the end and when you pull the trigger on the handle, it expands out and then clamps down on the bug, and then you let it outside, and it r- runs away. I'll be a judge of exactly how soft those bristles are. Uh-huh. <laughs> Listen, you want to borrow it? Uh-huh. Just uh, you can keep it if you if you need. But they're pretty. Call it the soft French tickler. Bristles. It's basically what? like a toothbrush bristles, long toothbrush bristles at the end. Anyway, this- my, my parents have a bug catcher that I've I've reached a point in my life where I don't like killing bugs if I can help it. Yeah. And- it's like it's a big hard plastic, clear hard plastic enclosure on a wand. Yeah. With a magnifying glass on the top and okay. a little switch that that slides like a trapdoor in and out. Ooh. So you just put the you put the clear domed part over the bug. Yeah. And also also if it's a big ugly spider, you get a very big magnified <laughs> view of that spider running around. Oh. Which is super creepy. This- but then you slowly then you just slowly slide the trapdoor under the bug. And then it is enclosed in this thing, and then you just carry it outside. Uh, I um, I tried to get the the uh, the identify it, and it was either like a grant. It didn't get the last species thing on it, but um, it's either a funnel weaver or a grass something. But it was big and uh, funnel weaver's not good, is it? I don't know. I thought that isn't that one pretty bad. I, I, or maybe I'm define bad. Maybe I'm like poisonous. I, well, maybe yeah. I'm thinking. Of, maybe I'm thinking of something else. I just uh, assume any spider that might bite you, it's not good. When I when I look, oh, am I thinking of the funnel web? I might be thinking of the funnel web. I is don't that know. One, is that the one in Australia that's like super super bad? Oh, that does sound familiar. Are there orb weavers or are those from uh, Grounded? Maybe that's from Grounded. Let's, let's stop talking about spiders. Okay. Uh, yeah. Don't anyway, have to tell me twice. I didn't get it. It moved on. Hopefully it gets the crickets that are down here. So, uh, because they're super noisy. Uh, any other emails, Brad? 
Um, I don't know. Do you want another one? Yeah, let's take one more. I can take one more. How about this one from Josh in Colorado? What's the point of film grain in games? I've never understood the appeal. What Making was, what it was look the, more like movies. I mean, yes, that is definitely the point. Uh, what was the first game with film grain? The one that stands out to me the most is Mass Effect, but there's yes, got to be absolutely, stuff before there. It can't have been the first one, but I absolutely remember that game coming out and like the the film grain and the lens flares together were just like, oh man, they were trying to make this look like 70s science fiction. Yeah. So hard. I don't know why Starfield has it. I like... Yeah, it's, it's it's weird. These days, it feels like a crapshoot if a game's going to have film grain or not. Like, I kind of like, understood like, why Mass Effect had it. Yeah, like, like, it felt yeah, the, yeah. they were okay. going for that vibe. Because they were also doing, like, that Vangelis-ass mm-hmm. soundtrack. Like, they, yeah. were, they were going for a whole aesthetic package in Mass Effect, and now it just feels like eh, a given game might have it or might not. Okay, so I'm just looking... I mean, and, and this is not definitive history here, because I am going off a of wiki, though it is the giant bomb wiki, oh, yes, which I, I consider to, to be something of an authority. Uh-huh. I, too, am on onegiantbomb.com at the moment. Uh, and the film grain category, the earliest game that is currently listed on this wiki page is the 1999 survival horror game Nocturne. Hmm. Okay. And then after that, hmm. it's like Silent Hill 2, Fatal hmm. Frame, Kung Fu Chaos? Okay. All right. Manhunt? Yes, absolutely. Fatal Frame 2. Don't know what Dead Man's Hand is. Don't remember it. Beautiful Joe 2 apparently had it. Hmm. Indigo Prophecy definitely had it. I reviewed that game. Hmm. The Suffering Ties That Bind. Hmm. Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth. The Movies. Well, duh. Uh-huh. Condemned. Oh, Condemned. Uh, Hotel Dusk. Yes. Where is Mass Effect on this list? I assume it must be on here somewhere. Have I reached 2008 yet? Yes, I have. Mass Effect 2 has is on here. I don't see Mass Effect 1 on here. So maybe what? this isn't the definitive list. Hmm. But it is. These are all games that have it, and there are ones that predate Mass Effect. Uh, like I don't mind it. I, I usually don't mind it in games as long as you can turn it off. Um, you know, and they give you an option for it. But still, to this day, have a 360 copy of Condemned on my shelf from launch of the 360 that I have never played. Oh, have you never played Condemned? Never played Condemned. It's a right. game. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. I don't think it's backwards compatible, is it? I, I don't know. Don't know. I quite enjoyed Condemned. Uh, that's going to do it for the emails. It is. We have going a bunch, to do it. That is going to do it. Oh, uh, there's Mass Effect. It's just they have it listed as Mass Effect Legendary Edition from 2021. I see. But yes, Mass Effect does in fact have it. It's a good game. Hell yeah. of a game. Hell of a fun. Oh, I just have, have to correct myself. Uh, Condemned is backwards compatible. Okay, great. Good. All these corrections coming in. For uh, as long as I have an Xbox with a disk drive to put it in. Your days are numbered. That is podcast at nextlander.com. Podcast at nextlander.com for the emails. We've got a bunch of stuff going on over on a patreon.com slash nextlander. Not the least of which is scary movie month. Mm-hmm. We have a ghost watch currently up and we uh, will be talking about the Babadook, Mr. Babadook himself. Yes. Next week, um, Australia's full own schedule. Bob full Duke. schedule is up there. If you want to see what else we got, we got Suspiria, we got uh, we got Hausu, and we got Train to Busan also on that list coming up. Go check out that stuff over at patreoncom slash nextlander. We'll have a new and never been a better podcast going up, I believe, next week. That should be uh, Jeff Bacalar and Austin Walker. 
guesting in on that. We're going to record that hopefully tomorrow. Uh, go over there and can find a tier that is right for you. Maybe it's the Ramblecast tier. Maybe it's with the Watchcast. Maybe it's the Mysterious Benefactor tier. If it is the Mysterious Benefactor tier, then you get your name read on this here show. That's the tier. And I'm going to read the Mysterious Benefactors right now. Starting with Ryan Waterman. R-R-E. John Richardson, Vornak, Infelicitous Rips, Kelly F, Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Brad's Mid-Sized Hoodoo Voodoo, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Deidre reporting live at a spooky house, Gary Pejke, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Bunny Fiend, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Mega Brains, Razgris 2, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax, Andrew Tiebkin, Alex Wu, It's Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Those are the Mysterious Benefactors for this week. Thank you so much for supporting us over the decades and centuries of Nextlander, and thanks to everyone for supporting us, uh, whether it's over at Patreon and whatever tier you decide works for you, over on Twitch, over on YouTube, listening to this here podcast. Thanks, everybody, so much. Uh, like we said before, Remnant 2, we continue with Remnant 2. I'm enjoying it very much. Uh, we'll have that. We have that this week. We'll have more of it. We've got a uh, grab bag going on this week along with probably Assassin's Creed on Friday. Probably Assassin's Creed. You can pick up. I have a hard save from after the prologue. Might be a good place to pick up early in the story, but past the prologue. If you want to see what that game is about. A um, couple of other things I'm, I'm curious to check out, maybe on the grab bag, that uh, uh, Lamplighters League. Uh, I'm curious about that game. Uh, that's out of Paradox, right? Mm -hmm. Publishing that one? I think so. Curious about that. Uh, Alex, if you uh, if you want to check out that uh, Weapon of Choice, uh, the Fights in Tight Spaces on the grab bag, I'd watch that. some of that. I like watching you play that, that game. Yeah, that Forza, too. We can play some of that Forza. Some Forza? Some of them Vroom Vroom yeah. cars? Should we, should we play multiplayer Forza? Oh, man. Let me just actually make sure we can stream Forza because there is the review embargo, but then there's also the other thing. Right. That's true. That game, well, I think it will be out early. I think that's right. Yeah. With I the premium right. thing, premium thingy, did Bob. You, did you see that Red Dead Redemption got a 60 frames per second update on the PS5 today? I did see that. Uh, I don't think I'll have time to. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to just start that game from the beginning. I think I'd want to get some ways into it past all the long intro stuff, but. That's kind of crazy. I think that's the only version of that game that runs at that frame rate now. Hmm. Even even on the Series X, it doesn't do that. That's like people were just like, "Holy shit, what?" Work's being we are, done somewhere. We are clear to stream Forza. So okay, yeah, maybe some racing. Well, yeah, race it Cars. up. Cars. Uh, you can join all of us and all of you and everybody for that uh, uh, this week. I want to thank everybody again for. Uh, checking out this podcast thank you alex navarro thank you 
Thank you, Brad Shoemaker. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back with more next week. See ya. See ya.